let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us here today for episode number 93 on Monday, August 6, 2018. I am Joe Morata, and that guy right there is Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Uh, howdy doody. Howdy doody, Michael. We have a lot of ground to cover today. So much ground. Lots of um, ground. And, you know... We don't have a lot to stand on because it's 93. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not true. a good... It's very soggy ground. <laughs> very soggy, Swampy. poopy ground. <laughs> and it's fo- like a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and folks, before we get to that plumbing, we want to remind you of a few things. You can reach us right now if you haven't yet. Follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is VPPodcast at gmail.com. And the best place if you want to talk to me and Quinn and a bunch of other retro wrestling fans, Quinn, is the Facebook group. Yeah, it's over at Facebook.web. Yes. Um, it's a great website. You know, it allows you to socially connect with people. <laughs> You search the Facebook search bar and you type our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast. That's right. When you hit enter on your keyboard <laughs> or um, if you click the search button, it will lead to us, our group. You hit the join and then we let you in. And that's it. I want to remind you folks that maybe you're a wrestling fan that's been around and you've seen all sorts of stuff, you know, all different promotions, the Japan, let's say, maybe even the Mexico, the NWA. That's great. And we welcome that. We also welcome the people that kind of maybe casually watched during the Ivan Putsky days. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we go the whole gamut. That's it. It's a whole gamut. If if you watched in the 60s and you never watched again, you can come here. Yeah, that's right. But if you if you watched only yesterday and you watched want to find out about what happened before that yeah like 30 years ago or three days ago yeah come here come here exactly so that is facebook that's that's that is that is facebook (laughs) that's where you find that group and we'll have some more information later in the show about our patreon and about some friends of the show but quinn the meat and potatoes right here of our first uh, segment is the nutshell the 90s in a nutshell if you will i'm in a nutshell that's right now last year Let's run down 1992 real quick. One of the big things was Hulk Hogan's gone. Scandal mania. The WCW management turns over and over and over. And Bret Hart, world champion? That's 1992 in a nutshell. Let's do 1993 in a nutshell. Welcome, everybody. The revolutionary force in sports entertainment. As the biggest night in the history of this great organization. Oh my God! Good guys versus bad guys. The WCW. New World Order. It sucks. It's 1993 in a nutshell, and what a year this will be to cover, Michael Quinn. Oh, you mean it sucks? (laughs) 
It is a transformative year for wrestling, and there are some good things that happen that we'll get to. Yeah, I'll admit that. There's also a lot of... It's it's very much... Is it safe to say, Quinn, that the boom is well and gone at this oh, point? Oh, it's, it's gone. We are no longer in the golden era. Instead of big, gigantic arenas, we're in aircraft carrier hangers yes. and... Uh, Giving you know, away free tickets and stuff like that. We're in halls. We're in Disney, we're, if you're WCW. We're in armories again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we've gone down to the roots of wrestling just to survive. No smoky bars, though, because it's the 90s. You know, smoking was becoming a little, you know, It was harder to taboo. find a smoking section in a diner it at was, this point. It was, or in a grocery store, yeah. if you will. So let's start off the year, Quinn. Something that actually was good and different and new, and mm-hmm. we've talked about it plenty of times. But Monday Night Raw had its debut episode uh, January 11th. It replaced Primetime, which aired its last episode on January 4th. We are live from the streets of a chilly New York City, but it is about to get very hot here in Manhattan. And Monday Night Raw, as we've mentioned before, was a bit of a new concept for the WWF because instead of the canned syndicated stuff with the overdub crowd noise, this yep. was live. It was fresh. Yes, it had the live aspect Um we like to look at Raw a lot with the, I don't know, the, the glasses, right? The rose-colored glasses. rose-colored glasses, right? Yes. But we also have to also look at the fact that this is another evidence of the downturn. If you think about it, if you were really starting this great live show, right, wouldn't mm-hmm. you, like, want to do it in MSG or, like, a big thing and it's live and all this stuff? But instead, we're in, like, essentially the WWF version of a bingo hall. I think you have a little validity there, but you got to admit that they picked the right place to get real wrestling oh, fans in the building. That's not, I'm not arguing that it wasn't, like, fun or great or anything, sure. but it, to me, it's more at the same time, while it's great that they did that, it's also a little bit of representative of, like, they like to sugarcoat it now, like, they purposely picked yeah, that right, right. because of, like, some kind of, like, fan Intimacy. Thing. Yeah. Which but, it was intimate. But at the same time, you if you saw how everything was going at the time, it seems like they picked it because... They knew they could fill it. They knew they could fill it, and... You know, cheap. that they probably very cheap to run it cheap to film out of, you yeah, know, like exactly. that kind of thing. Like it, it reeks of cheap. <laughs> it, it reeks it, of economics. Yeah. <laughs> but Raw was still a very uh, different show than what they had been doing. And we've talked about it, you know, at length on our Raw 25 special and other places. Right. Great way to start the year, though. It actually was something good that they did. It refreshed their television program. It programming. helped a lot. It yeah. really helped a lot. Uh, and you had Rob Bartlett there. So that, <laughs> that made it seem way better. That's Dork the Clown. That's Dork. We got one word for Mr. Snyder. Electrolysis. Hey, Mo! Hey, Mo! Yeah, Rob Bartlett was uh, an interesting announcer for a few months there. In February, Quinn, something very interesting happened. Ric Flair uh, left the WWF. He had his last match in February, and he would be bound for WCW within a few months. Question here. Yeah. I thought Flair's last match was that um, Gruiser Leaves Town thing. On Wasn't that in January on Raw? Yeah, but he fulfilled his house show dates until February. Aha, uh-huh, okay. I didn't know. Yes. I was just asking. Yep. Now, this was kind of a big deal because Flair... I don't want to call it a cup of coffee, maybe a cup of coffee and a Danish in the WWF. Yes, like it was a year. It was a year and change, and it was, his, Ric Flair is 1992 WWF. And late 91. And late 91. 93, obviously, he was on his way out. He fought perfect in the match that Quinn mentioned, and then he'd be back in WCW. We'll see more on Ric Flair later. Was that the second Raw or something? Like, it wasn't even... It, it was like the r- third Raw. Yeah, it was like really early. <laughs> very, very early. So, Ric Flair can say he was on Raw from the beginning. He was. He was on the, uh, on the first, or one of the first Raws. Yeah. In March... This is just a nice little nod to uh, somebody that was on our Rushmore last week and something that still is ongoing. The WWF Hall of Fame 
was yep. established. And of course, its first and only inductee, Quinn. Andrew the Giant. Yes, Andrew the Giant. Yes. Which I thought was a classy gesture on their part. Classy gesture. He, I mean, it, it became a great Hall of Fame with the likes of Coco Beware and Larry Zabisco <laughs> in it. Bruno! But I mean, this is a year of things beginning. Yes. So, Andrew the Giant, a great way to start Andrew. the... Um, the Hall of Fame here. Now, there wasn't like a building. Or, no. Was there, there a still banquet isn't a, of some kind? I don't even think so. I think they just mentioned it. And I think, I don't know if they've been toying with the idea of the Hall of Fame or not already, but he passed away in early 93. Right. And it was a nice way to honor somebody that was instrumental to their success in the 70s and 80s. You stop everything. I'm going to be What? So in April, Quinn. Yeah. We've been Hoganless since uh, the previous April. Oh, thank God. However, he reared his orange head. Wait, what? In er, yes, in early '93, mm. to help his friend Brutus Buffcake. Yes, who had his face beat up against the money maniacs. Yeah, the money maniacs and Hogan <laughs> Quinn. Despite wrestling at WrestleMania nine in a match for the WWF tag titles, which they didn't win. Why would Hogan be the tag champ? Ever? Why would he ever lower himself? Yeah. No, no, no. Of course, he wins the world title in a surprise match against Yokozuna, who had just defeated Bret Hart. And suddenly, Quinn, for the rest of the spring into the summer, it's like nothing ever changed. Hogan's back on top again. And he never shows up. And which, he never shows which, up. Which, as we've seen in the 90s, is what he does. It's one of his hallmarks, right? <laughs> he comes in, wins the belt. Does a couple of house shows, yeah. but doesn't really ever appear on TV. Folks, I don't know <laughs> what you think of this. Quinn, I know what you and I think of it. We are not we are not fans of ninety-three Hogan. No, I mean this is when his face morphs and like he he's becomes, off the gas. He becomes weird looking and he's just like a big grandstander. Yeah. And he can't back up his words. He just talks shit and then he's never around, so who cares? You have been spending a considerable amount of time as of late working on movies and not concentrating on this big title defense. Is that the case? Well, you know, the thing that people don't really realize is how much time Hulk Hogan has been spending hanging and banging, brother. While we're on the subject of Hogan being back on top, what did you think? Because this was the first part of 93 of the Bret Hart title run overall. At this point in time? Yeah, from from October until now, April of 93. I thought he seemed like a transitional champion up to this point. What were they transitioning to, though? That's the thing. A big fat guy I guess or, Yoko, or Lex huh? Luger or something. Yeah, I don't know who they had pegged. Do you think it's a little... What do you think of the fact that they brought Hogan back in to win the title? That reeks of desperation to me. To me. What that reeks of is that they thought that Brett was going to last a couple months, but then when they couldn't get what they wanted or whatever they... I don't know, whatever their big plan was to do, whatever the fuck, like when it didn't work out, they were like, well, Hogan's coming back. We'll just put it on him and have him do things, I guess. Yeah, it's just such a weird era for me in the WWF because on one hand, a lot of the old guard is gone and we'll get to that as well from the earlier part of the 90s. You know, a lot of these guys are gone that Hogan feuded with that have been around and we're in the raw era now and things are changing. The business is down, but Hogan back on top, such a weird thing to look at. Would you say, By giving the title to a guy like Bret Hart, who, you know, the body type is more to how the wrestlers would be in the rest of the 90s. They opened up a Pandora's box that they couldn't they couldn't put the genie back in the bottle kind of thing. They had exposed the fans to a uh, smaller but hardworking, like, you know, fights for his wins kind of champion. And like now they didn't want this big puts his ear out thing and and he's bigger than everybody and he's larger than life kind of champion. They didn't want that anymore. But Randy Savage wasn't a big guy. 
Yeah, but he was he was a character. He acted he, big. He, he was he acted big. He right? acted big, right? right? He did. He he, he acted, acted bigger big. than he was. That's true. And so like they had uh, exposed the fan base to this works for his wins kind of character. That's fair. Now that they saw this this underdog come from behind style of wrestling as the world champion and the technical end of and it, and the technical you know? end of it, and just everything hard hitting, gritty. Uh, yeah, gritty. That to me set up how the champions were for most of the 90s. It did open the door, I think, certainly for Shawn Michaels. I think there's merit to that. Stone Cold. And Stone Cold Steve Austin, especially. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? That's a good point. But I think it's clear one way or another that business in general was in a downturn by this point. It was already starting in 91 when we started this segment. And there was no going back. Hogan was not going to really do much. I don't know what he did for the house show attendance, but it just was sour to me. The whole thing was sour. The thing was, is they they had nothing, right? I mean, so (laughs) if you're them, I can see why Hogan might seem like a safe bet while you're trying to figure things out. Right, right, right. It's like, well, okay, maybe we can get us by for another three months and we can, you know, figure out what the fuck. And they did try as like the Lex Express starts rolling through the country. Yeah, that happens in 93 as well. Yeah. Are you living on the bus this whole time? I am. We stop at a hotel at night. I didn't sleep on the bus. Quinn, let's move on to the WCW real quick here. In May of 1993, WCW held its first Slamboree event uh, featuring such exotic bouts as Sting versus Nails in his one WCW uh, appearance as the prisoner. All I can say is WCW, like the WWF, is trying to figure things out still. Yes, and they are about they have Ric Flair impending at this point. You know what's pretty weird about them? I wouldn't say they're dramatically worse than WWF. No, the standard is low at this point, right. so you're right. The stakes are low. <laughs> right. Would you say there's even points where they are a little better? Yeah, probably. It, it's Honestly, it's probably like 50-50. Are we at parity with the WWF and WCW at this point in time in, in, in a certain sense? I guess. In in terms of uh, wrestling quality, maybe WCW had I mean, the, uh, television the availability, both of them are pretty much they're, widely they're available. So everyone is... Yeah, their uh, flagships are both on cable. The flagships are available to the masses. They got their uh, syndicate. WWF way up in the house shows, though, as always. I would say WCW is acquiring a lot more stars and, and turning into uh, WWF Junior over there. Well, you know, Jesse Ventura, the British Bulldog, he's crazy! I guess my point is, is that we're starting to get to this weird point where, like, they both look the same. Like, if you're a casual person flipping through the channels, right. if you hit WCW by accident, you might be like, oh, is, I see, you know, Rick Rude and Sid and British stuff. Bulldog. Yeah, like, it's like, oh, this is like, is this the same show? Well, you know what? That's fair, Quinn, because take it back five years earlier in 88. Yeah. There's no mistaking which is which. Right. By this point, you're right. They've kind of leveled off, and they're they're very similar. Yeah. It's very good analysis, Michael. Uh-huh. In June, Quinn, ECW held a super card. It was the Super Summer Sizzler at Viking Hall. That, of course, would be the mm-hmm. ECW arena. Notable because it was our first one on VHS, and it also was headlined by Eddie Gilbert, who was still the booker in June, yep. versus who would become an ECW mainstay and really help the company for years, Terry Funk. Yeah, uh, Terry Funk would uh, kind of revitalize his career. In the 1990s. He did. He became known as one of the veterans who was willing to give back to the wrestling community as a whole and put people over for the rest of his career. Uh, Something which, as we'll go through the 90s, is, is kind of a problem. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's true especially i mean if we just look back at just a couple months ago hulk hogan coming in and you know i'm the champion again yeah and terry, so, terry funk was just totally selfless yes 
Terry Funk is, there's a reason why a lot of people consider him like one of the best. Absolutely. And I think it has a lot to do with his latter era that he stayed around really to help people not for not to put himself over not for his own ego right just to help people out he helped out cactus jack sabo a, a ton I mean, of guys I think, doesn't terry funk to this day show up to let some young goober beat him like in like, i don't know about now i thought he does Isn't like he every like now 70? i feel like one like one show a year terry funk just takes a oh, loss to somebody like, i don't want to see 70 year old terry funk i guess wrestling. the point is is more like that he's like nice enough to like yeah. he doesn't care like do you understand me well, I understand you, too. In July, Quinn at Beach Blast, <laughs> mm-hmm. Ric Flair, the second Beach Blast, defeated uh, Barry Windham for the NWA World Heavyweight title. Now, okay. within months, the NWA would officially sever its ties with WCW in September. And that's when that belt would infamously be renamed the International World Heavyweight Title, aka you know the Big Gold Belt era that would leak in throughout '94. This is an interesting thing to me because is this the official death knell of of the NWA yeah. title? Even though Shane yes. Douglas would later famously say it died seven years ago, um, referring to when Crockett uh, sold, sold to WCW. But the last real remnants of the NWA World Heavyweight Title mattering, mattering this are, year are here they're gone yes uh wcw had both its own world title which they kept that lineage from the beginning of the nwa one and then they had the big gold and they kind of merged them in 1994 but they would be separated at this point so the they're international here. heavyweight title that's it, actually the nwa title with the with going back to gotcha that one is yeah sorry and, and stuff but they took the wcw one and merged it with it in right, 94 and they're basically the same belt yes because it's the big gold belt yes so uh, notable for an end of an era here, Quinn, in August, wasn't televised, but Hulk Hogan, after losing his final televised appearance to Yokozuna at King of the Ring, right. losing the world title. Which, did we talk about how that goes down? Well, that had Harvey Whippleman uh, dressed up as a uh, weird bearded photographer thing. Yeah, with the fireball and everything. Yeah. Oh my God, what was that? His camera exploded. What the? Right in Hogan's face. Yokozuna drops a leg on Hogan. Yokozuna on the leg hook. Two. Horrible, but yeah. I love seeing Yokozuna defeat Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and to see the fucking Hogan fan, Roddy Hogan, I think his name is, oh. <laughs> in the crowd, like look like a big dumb idiot. <laughs> he's always there like when a Hogan sad has St. Bernard. A, he's always there when Hogan has like the worst loss of his career. Yeah, yeah he's there for the Undertaker one also. <laughs> yeah. But Hogan in <laughs> in August wrestles what would be his last WWF match for almost nine years yep. on the WWF's European tour. So Hogan stretched into August as a wrestler, didn't see him. He was barely ever on TV anyway, as well, it was. he was on TV because of the boat show, uh, Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> the boat show. Remember? Yes, I know. I so know. He, he didn't disappear from existence. He just was taking a hiatus to fight crime on the high seas. <laughs> for like yeah, a couple months, a couple even. Of months, yeah, it's not know, even that long. A short gig. A, a summer. A summer. Were, a yeah. summer of fighting crime. Yeah. Also, Quinn, in August, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Shockmaster. Oh, the Shockmaster. I don't know if too much needs to be said about He's that. He's going to shock the world because he is. The shock master. Oh, God. September, one of your favorite things happened, Quinn. Yes. It might be one of the biggest moments of the year. Along with Eric Bischoff taking over WCW in 1993, in September, Quinn, what happened? Uh, A man named Paul Heyman takes over booking duties of Eastern Championship Wrestling from Eddie Gilbert. Yes, this was... This would go on to pave the way for ECW throughout the rest of the 90s. And probably change the industry for the better. Yes, I would agree. Paul comes in in September immediately books the public enemy 
which is a big change. They're, you know, this this hoodie type tag team. Hoodie. That's what they called them. I mean, they were the hoodie, wearing, they were hoodies. They were in hoodies. These guys were hated like they and they, they were and they wrestled the hardcore style, which was a, a incoming kind of thing. Would you say they're like what the nasty boys should have been? Yes, they're way better than the <laughs> nasty boys. A lot of people think of the public enemy as like a joke. Because they're goofy. Well, because of what happened to them in WCW. Oh, ooh. But back then they were they were a little goofy, but they also like you didn't if you fucked with them like yeah. they got there was like vignettes of them like fighting. Oh, they they were would go awesome. to people's like houses mm-hmm. and like beat them up and shit. Engine, engine number nine on the New York Transit line. If the train falls off the track, it must be your mama smoking crack. And the other thing. That when Paul takes over here is he brings in Sabu. Yes. His first match is against Taz on ECW TV. The Tasmaniac. In late 93. Yes. My goodness. They have something going over there. They do. Sabu was another guy that would really help uh, ECW, excuse me. Yeah. uh, Because he was so different and wild. You know, it was like bringing in this hardcore style, but like a modern hardcore style, not like your, you know, 70s Harley Race hardcore style. I think something we've been remiss to remember to say here is that um, where Sabu was coming from was FMW mm-hmm, Japan Japan which Japan was doing some interesting things in the early 90s as far as um, junior heavyweight wrestling mm-hmm. and hardcore wrestling yeah. which are two things that would be a big part of the 90s and with Sabu coming this is kind of the first wave of that stuff that was innovated in Japan in the first couple years of the 90s. Yes, and Paul Heyman helped bring that and like you said, you know, the the junior heavyweight style to North America and it was then picked up by the other larger right. North American promotions. I would promotions. say 94 yes. um the, there's a big tournament that's going to take place in Japan Super that will J. probably yep. Super J that will probably cover. Yep. But as of right now the first thing to come is this hardcore this the, the, this wacky crazy style that Sabu's wrestling and Cactus Jack's doing some of it over in WCW a little as bit well. and he would also yeah. obviously eventually come yeah. to ECW and right. perfect fit there right. in ECW. Exactly. And all this would this again this all came with Paul yes. coming in and he was the visionary the guy to see you know he famously said he wanted to inject some nirvana into wrestling and this is the guy this is when it starts like this is it couldn't have picked a better time to do it yeah for the for the remainder of 93 it's on the nobody really knows about it it's on public access channels or whatever the (laughs) fuck yeah at 4 a.m nobody fucking knows it exists but word of mouth comes but it starts here Yep, I totally agree. Quinn, I want to read off a general list, and it's not all of them, of departures from the World Wrestling Federation in 1993 in no particular order. Just to give you an idea, folks, of the loss of a lot of notable names. I'm not saying they're the best wrestlers ever, but a lot of notable names would leave the company in 93. And that is part of the reason why we would be subject to guys like Ludwig Borga. Like, well done, for example. Mm -hmm. These, like, no names that would come in in 93. Because listen to this list. Ric Flair... Both natural disasters, the Berserkers, mm-hmm. the Berserker, the Beverly's, Ted DiBiase, Skinner, Repo Man, aka Smash, Barry Darso, Kamala, Papa Shango, Big Boss Man, Mr. Perfect, Brutus Beefcake, Hulk Hogan, Jim Duggan, Tito Santana, Sherry Martel, the Nasty Boys, Sean Mooney. That's the end of an era. <laughs> yeah, that it is, is though. Uh, it is. Mike McGurk, gone. Yeah. Mean Gene Okerlund. Yeah. Okay, so. All the uh, most of these people either go to WCW, they 
retire or they just I don't know go into the indies, indies or yeah. something. With the indies, is there even a thing? It's kind of crazy. There's a handful still. There's a handful, which is you know ECW is one of them. Yep, the most U- prominent indie USWA, Smoky Mountain, right. a bunch of AWF would right. come up in '94. I don't know where the Berserker ended up going, Jim Nord, but I have no idea. Um, but is this, that his name, Jim Nord or uh, John Nord? John Nord. But this is a pretty. Pretty interesting list, don't you think, Quinn, of a uh, yeah, bunch that, of names? That leaves the WWF. Um, the fact that all these people leave the WWF, this bolsters the co- the competition even more. It does, because WCW snapped up some of these guys. Because this is what I was trying to say about WCW earlier in the year, how they're, the parody is, is almost complete. Like, they're, yeah. you know, really the only the only guy that can change the tide is Hulk Hogan. Right. Because <laughs> if, if, if everyone kind of has a dispersion of around roughly the same people... Then now it's just like it's just going to take a name and one name, right? Exactly. And you know what's interesting, Quinn? Amidst all of these departures, this mass exodus, when they really needed the star, when they really needed somebody that was reliable, that was good, that was solid, that was a name value that could excite the crowd, that could still wrestle, they have Randy Savage sitting on the bench. I can't stand this. It's unbelievable to me. If they had shored up things with Randy Savage and had him. He should have been the fucking champion in 93, like all of 93. Just like as a holdover. Right. To the next big Somebody thing. to hold it over, you know, when you're ready to really decide that we're going to go with this guy, have him beat the Macho Man. Right. Instead, he's sitting on the side with his stupid hat on, <laughs> and he's Babe Ruth or something. Like, Take a look at the Bushwhackers. To me, 93 is the most egregious misuse, ver- misuse of Randy Savage totally I've ever up. seen. Totally on like, board. It's unbelievable. Remember, it's not in November, the WWF held uh, its last pay-per-view at the Boston Garden. I think it's only pay-per-view, actually, at the Boston Garden. Survivor Series 93, which is notable, among other things, for Ray Combs being there for that horrible tag match with Bigelow and Booger and the Head Shrinkers and yeah. all that with the four doinks. Right. And, of course, all 76 of the Hart family members being ringside. And Bobby the Brain Heenan's commentary. Oh, my God. So good. I'm sure you'll hear some of it. Yeah. And the other brother's name was Bruce, right? Oh, now, isn't that a stupid name? You got nine months if you come up with Bruce. Wouldn't you classify that 20 members of the Hart family living together was classified as a ghetto? Do you know what Stu Hart just said to uh, Brent on the floor? What? He says, hey, uh, get up, you lazy, uh, no good uh, bum. That little man out there is a man who risks his life every day. Eating dinner at the Hart house would be risking your life every day. Isn't it funny? Even the Hart daughters all look like the mom. I mean, same age. They look like they're on 85, 87. One final sad note to really hammer home the end of an era. Bobby Heenan in December leaves the WWF. Do you want to explain like also just on a little aside why this was building for so long? Because to me, the fact that Bobby almost set up his exit with like a story on such a grand scale is like such a great thing. So pretty much after Flair left... Right. Bobby was hitching his wagon to Lex Luger for a little bit. But Narcissus. Mi- Narcissus, mainly because he didn't like Mr. Perfect, right? Right. But then that feud kind of fizzles out and Luger turns face. If you recall, even Luger like shoves Bobby out of the way on the yep. Intrepid. We covered that, I believe. So Bobby's just sitting there throughout the rest of 93. He has no real goal. Like, he had had flair all of 92 and late 91. And he has he- money interests. Yes, too. he had stakes in this, right? He's just sitting there in his, like, raw windbreaker or whatever <laughs> and just being a pain in the ass. His like tire's getting shittier. His attire's getting like crappy. Slightly, oh, he's getting a, uh, water thrown on him by Doink and right. stuff like that. He's kind of just being a buffoon. Yeah. WWF Magazine, towards the end of 93, runs this very funny article. <laughs> I don't remember which issue it's in. If you guys are familiar, let us know. 
where they basically expose that Bobby Heenan has no money. He has no connections anymore to Beverly Hills. He rides a bicycle. He's cheap. <laughs> he tries to pilfer things. And what's great is the way that ties in because the character of Bobby Heenan was always a cheapskate, even if he had money. Right. He was supposed to have money, but he didn't want to spend it kind of thing. And now we're at the point where he's been reduced to like this just big joke. And it was so fitting in the fall of 93, the insults against Gorilla Monsoon, you know, reignited. He'd always right. be making fun of them. It's at the Survivor Series until finally on that raw in December, Gorilla comes out. And he's like, I got a one way ticket for your brain. And then well, like, like randomly, yeah. too. just for no reason. This is the point. It comes to like Gorilla's just heard enough. He's like, had enough. Yeah. Which he said he's he's been teasing. Yeah. For like seven years. <laughs> and he throws him out the door and Bobby Heenan gives his uh, tearful farewell salute and as, Vince on commentary while, while he's sock. Going, underpants and then Bobby's like paper. knocking on the bus you going to LaGuardia yeah oh. and that would be it for Bobby Heenan until 2001 obviously my belongings your history it's my stuff and no story spoon dirty laundry a, a roll of a roll of toilet paper a sock hey you going to LaGuardia Quinn, that's 1993 in a nutshell. I mean, it was very, very weird year. Definitely nothing like 1992. Definitely nothing like 91. No. A dip in star power, a dip in creativity. Yep. But like you said, with Paul Heyman particularly and a few other things that were going on, some seeds were being planted. The, yep. uh, the water was now starting to boil at least, you know, even right. if the soup wasn't ready yet. A dip in creativity on the main stage. Yeah. On the underground, yes. a lot of things are starting to percolate, if you will. On the DIY circuit. Yes, yeah. I will, actually. Yeah. That's a good point. It's a good way to put it. So, folks, let us know your memories of 1993. Let us know what we've failed to talk about, maybe. There's a lot that goes on, but you can only do so much when you're in a nutshell. Hell, I'm in a nutshell. <laughs> and when we come back, folks, we will be back with Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. That'll be coming up right after this. It's coming. It's coming to the palace. Caesar's Palace. On Sunday afternoon, April 4th, the World Wrestling Federation's greatest spectacle, WrestleMania, is coming to Las Vegas, the new family entertainment capital of the world. And you and your family can experience all the fun and excitement live and in person. Just call 1-800-634-6698 to charge tickets by phone. Call now and make plans to be part of the sports entertainment event of a lifetime. I'm afraid I can't do that. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast here on episode number 93, Monday, August 6, 2018. Quinn, let's tell the fans uh, very briefly, very briskly about our Patreon. We do have a Patreon. Yeah, you ever hear of it? It's over at uh, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. That's right. And that's if you want to donate. We're not doing this to fund the current show you're listening to. It's paid off. It's paid for. Quinn and I handle that. Don't you worry about it. Yeah. But if you want to donate because you like what we do, we actually give you more content. We have three great tiers. They're very easy. It's $1, $2, and $3. For $1, what you get is you get to see what it's like when we record an episode. It's a raw video feed of each and every episode, including right now. Yeah, it's very interesting. You get to see uh, shirts and um, <gasps> shirts. You get to see what the studio looks like. Yep. I don't have a beard right now. Um, very weird. All the mistakes. 
Yeah, sometimes there's mistakes. Yeah, occasional mistakes. Not often. Sometimes they're funny. So you might <laughs> yes. want to you might want to get in on that because it's only a dollar. It's a dollar for an entire month. And if you want to up that to two bucks, not only do you get the weekly raw dump, but every other Friday you get Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extra. That's where each week Quinn and I will do about an hour podcast on the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of something, and it's going to mainly be taken from the suggestion list. But we're also going to think of really weird, obscure things that we're going to do. And Quinn, you actually said it's perfect because it comes out on Friday. So if you fans there, you get to Thursday night and you're like, man, yeah. I want more OVP. Right. If you want more for the weekend, uh, we got you covered. Um, you know the the crazy topics like hats. Yeah, hats uh, will be coming that, up one of these days. One of these days, hats <laughs> and. Uh, other various things so that's an extra 99 and one cent yes and you get that yep and then for another dollar that's only three bucks for an entire month you get not only the weekly raw footage not only every other friday do you get the rushmore and death valley extra but on the alternating fridays you join quinn and i as we watch along with you 1982 wwf it's not very good right now the product no it's not although you get to see uh the misadventures of johnny rods um sure the, the strongbows uh, the strongbow brothers or whatever they are bob orton and his perm yeah <laughs> So. so that's three bucks gets you all that. That's weekly content. It's a lot of it. And again, we do this because we want to give back to you guys. If you appreciate what we do, we definitely appreciate you whether you donate or not. But we're here to give you some extra stuff. So that's patreon.com slash OVP podcast if you want to donate. But Quinn, it is now time for Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. And this is where each week we have put and we will continue to put four of the best of something. It could mm-hmm. be it could be anything. Could be anything. Could be hats. Onto Mount yeah. Rushmore, and four of the worst go down into the desert of Death Valley. And Quinn, you picked this one, so I'm going to let you introduce it. It is the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of WWF pay per view world title matches of the 90s. Wow, that's quite a mouthful there, yeah, Michael. Ooh, I don't know how I'm going to type that into the <laughs> title of this episode, but I'll figure it out somehow. So, world title matches, right, in yeah. the WWF on pay-per-view in the 90s. Uh-huh. Sounds good to me because there are a lot of good ones and there's some pretty bad ones also. Right. Now, the world title typically, Quinn, is the main event. Not always, but for the most part, the world title is the main event. It's what yeah. people are there to see. It's interesting because there's a few really good champions in the 90s that put on very good matches, and we're going to talk about them, I'm sure. And there's a couple of champions where they had the belt. Very bad matches, and yes. it's not too hard to discern who I'm talking about. But, Quinn, since you had the pick... I would like to, if you don't mind, I'd like to take the stick. Sure, stick it. <laughs> One of my personal favorites, and I think it's a very good match, and it holds up to this day for the world title, was Survivor Series 1995. It was the world champion, Diesel, hmm. defending against Brett the Hitman Hart. Interesting pick to start. I really do like that match because I really didn't expect the Diesel to lose the title there. I didn't either. I thought for sure he'd win and go on to fight uh, Sean Nichols. Yeah, Sean Nichols. Yeah. Wait a minute! Brett obviously won that match and took a very famous table bump, which was very unusual for the time. Yes, it was uh, It was very, very unusual. And it also led us to a heel diesel, which awesome. was actually really good so for the good. short time we had it because that whole year we had really crappy diesel 
he sucks, and I'm sure he'll pop up in Death Valley like also. Like Roseanne Diesel. Yeah, Roseanne Diesel. Yeah, he's awful. But this match, Quinn, is really good. It's a back-and-forth contest. It plays into Brett's strengths. He's so good at getting a good match out of Diesel. He had a bunch of good matches with Diesel. Typical Brett, you know, I wanted to make him look good, and I wanted to fight <laughs> from behind. Let's see if I can get the sharpshooter on him, because you know what? You're down to my size. Yeah. And that type of mentality. That's the Brett promo for all right, of these right. matches. But hell yeah, it's a good match. It's a great finish with Brett being so, like, dead from the table bump. Diesel tries to power bomb him. Brett with the inside cradle and gets the win. Diesel flips out. It was surprising, too, the ending. It no, was. I don't think people were expecting Diesel to just get rolled up out of nowhere, lose his title that he had held for a whole year yeah. at that point. I thought it was great. It still holds up to this day. It's not dated, you know what I mean? The yep. style holds up. Was Bret Hart in the full pink for that, too, if I recall? I he was like, in the, the full rare. pink. Yes. That is rare, actually. Yeah. Uh, so, Quinn, that's my first pick. What do you want to throw at us? What about um, the Macho Man versus uh, Ric Flair from WrestleMania oh, 8? One of my favorite matches as well. I love that match. I think it's probably one of the best title matches of the 90s period. Tells a great story of, you know, Ric Flair saying he had her first, but it's kind of a lie. It's totally he's a He's going to show the pinups on the, on the, yeah, on the, the center big hole. screen or whatever. Staple marks the Jumbotron. Yeah. yeah. And Flair's just his cocky, arrogant self throughout the whole match. Right. There's two things I really like that really add to it. Mr. Perfect being the worst thing ever <laughs> at every turn. Just he's really great. Interfering yeah. blatantly. And Bobby and Gorilla, of course, make the match even that much better because Bobby with his blatant favoritism for Ric Flair. I would say also the emotion Miss Elizabeth yeah. actually brings to the situation yeah. coming out and those stupid idiots like Rene Groulet and stuff like trying to Shane block McMahon. her with like sneakers on with their suits. <laughs> Dave Henry yeah. has sneakers they, on. They all look like idiots. <laughs> hey, let's don't come down here. Yeah. You know, that whole thing. And, but she's like, you know, the visual of it, because she also has like this scarf. I, I always remember this. This like Her scarf, dress like, has like a scarf on waving it. Waving in the wind yeah. as she comes out. It's almost like some kind of like artistic kind of thing <laughs> happening. Like, like a damsel almost. Yeah, like a damsel. And her hair is better than it had been in 91. Much better, Much hair, better hair. Not that weird like Jill Taylor <laughs> hair from 90, 91. Yeah. yeah. What did you want me to say? The kids are gone. I'm home alone. Come and take me, big daddy. And Savage could still go, man. As we mentioned earlier, you know, Savage was awesome. Savage had a great match there with Ric Flair. Yeah, and you have to remember, this is coming off Savage with the Jake the Snake bite. So yep. they had established this. They love to pull on our heartstrings with the whole, the first couple of the World Wrestling Federation. And yep. this, to me, this is kind of last hurrah for that. It is. Um, I totally agree. Yeah, so, and mm. it's an excellent match. There's color in it. Flair is busted like a pig. Blatant blade job, yeah. yeah. But that match is another one for me that still holds up, and yeah. I'll, I'll watch it gladly at any time. We actually did a commentary for it way back when. Yeah, it's a great match. Excellent it, match. Would you say it's one of the best matches of the 90s I, I, for title matches? I actually, I actually would, Gwen, yeah. And I want to also mention, you and I talked about this beforehand. We were discussing the rules and regs here, folks. Before you get excited, okay, and you wonder why we're not mentioning it, we are disqualifying Royal Rumble 92 for two reasons. One, it would probably just make it, and we've talked about Rumble 92 a lot. Mm -hmm. We talked about it last week, or yeah. last year, excuse me. But number two, it's not the traditional title defense, you know, title match type of thing. Yes, it's for the title. Yes. But that's all. And, I mean, we'll also count. We're going to count vacant stuff, but I don't know. It's just weird because it's like it's 30 guys. Yeah. And like it's it's a battle royal, essentially. Yeah. And it's not. We don't rate battle royals. We don't rate, we're like Scott Keith, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so Brett and Diesel and Macho Flair. There's another one, Quinn, involving Diesel, believe it or not. And it's from In Your House, April 1996. Shawn Michaels 
defending the world title against Heel Diesel in yes. Diesel's last pay-per-view event. It's one of my favorites because Diesel pulls uh, Butcher Vachon's leg <laughs> off. Or Mad Dog Mad Vachon. Dog Vachon. One of Vachon's <laughs> legs off and uses it against Shawn Michaels. And Vince McMahon is like outraged. Oh, it's so good. Even though it's like the most wrestly wrestle spot I've ever seen in my life. You gotta give Mad Dog Vachon credit for letting them do that too, you know? He was in on the Yeah, thing. it's like, awesome. He's like, use my leg, brother. Like, basically, like... lowest thing I've ever seen in my life. If Bret Hart can get a good match out of Diesel, Sean proved he could just as well. That match is just as good. It might even be better because Diesel probably tried a little harder because he was in there with Sean, right. his friend. But holy shit, is that a good match? Another Very one good like match. Brawly, hardcore, back and forth. Sean working his ass off. It's the antithesis of their WrestleMania 11 match. It's way better than that. It's Sean, probably the best match they ever had. It is the best. Would Sean, you say it's better than even any Bret-Sean match? Yeah, probably. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I, it is. So I actually might even put that above Brett Diesel. Do we have anything going on Rushmore for sure yet, or do you want to throw another one I'm out? I want to throw another one out Go because ahead. I think it's um, probably one of the greatest. Oh. The uh, Fatal Four Way match from In Your House Final or Final Four Way, yeah. whatever they called it. I don't sure. know. This uh, was the, when Sean faked a knee injury, so there was a vacant title. I don't know what you're talking about. He lost his smile. Right. And uh, he gave the title to Gorilla Monsoon and Vince. It was vacant. Vince Let's looked just mad. put it that way. Yeah, because yeah. Sean didn't want a job. I know. I know. It happens. <laughs> okay. Believe me, it's a threat. Hey, something good happened, though. Something good did happen. The four, three guys and uh, Steve Austin that were illegally eliminated in the Rumble 97. By Steve Austin. By Steve Austin. Faced off in what was a hybrid of a Royal Rumble, but there were pinfalls. You could throw them over the top rope. the only time that I ever like this because only because it actually makes sense because if the Royal Rumble was not resolved correctly then you need to keep those rules in a way but they allowed for pinfalls to make it more traditional yeah I mean not only that that's actually a pretty underrated pay-per-view in general for a two-hour in your house it's really good it's really not that bad JR and King no Vince and this match is great because Vader the Undertaker Brett and Austin face off and Vader it's a showcase for vader vader looks great takes a nasty blade job or yeah. maybe it was legit if i recall that's the cover of raw magazine with the eye yep. bleeding thing yep. yeah. it absolutely is undertaker looks good in it undertaker was in his i wrestle well now fa- mm-hmm. phase that had started up since mankind yeah but uh austin and brett that feud was going on and man it just it epitomizes the early 97 chaos queen of the wwf oh yeah it to me it captures perfectly that chaotic era, that chaotic time from about um, late 96 to Pillman's Got a Gun to, you know, about WrestleMania 13. Yeah. To me, it's like almost the apex of it. It is. It's really damn good. I'm going to throw another one on the table because there's so many good matches that happen. The second of the Steve Austin dude love matches, this would be May 31st over the edge. I thought you were going to bring this up, actually. I know you're a fan of this. Explain to me why you like it so much. This is before the Steve Austin quote-unquote main event style was played out. Mm -hmm. This is early on in it because it had really just begun. And Mick Foley was in a career renaissance in the late 90s. He was. This is before he really started to get a little too bang-banged up in yeah. like 99, and he could still really go. And they reverted to this douchey version of the Dude Love character, which I loved, because it was evil so... Evil Dude Love? Yeah, Evil Dude Love. Like, who would have thought, right, yeah. that it would be a heel? That's weird. I am a well-educated man. I am a speaker of four different languages. I am a reader of Greek tragedy and a student of American history. 
And they have this match that's a false count anywhere match. And it is incredible. 1998 Attitude Era drama at its finest. And they brawl all over the place. And JR and King are great. And Austin wins, of course. But man, did that kick off those two matches, the one of Unforgiven and then the one of Over the Edge, which is even better. Did that kick off Austin's run in 98 awesomely? Yeah. I mean, it I really mean, did. His feud with Dude Love is really what he did initially. Yeah, that's what he initially did. And then he moved on to The Undertaker and Kane and all that stuff. Yeah, so, that's when it gets a little uh, hairy. Hairy. Yeah. <laughs> so those are so far my picks. Is there anything that we know is going to make it or do you want to keep adding to the table? I think we should keep adding to the table a little bit. Now, what about Bret Hart versus Owen Hart SummerSlam 94? Great match. In the cage. Great match. Love right? that match. Yeah, I think that might be a contender. It's, I mean, it's a bloodless cage match, but it's a good match between those two guys. And, and they protected each other so well on that suplex. You know, I think about how we protected each other. It was so safe. I'm sure that clip is going in. Just how important it was for me to... To protect him as we fell back into the ring. Quinn, I think, though, in all seriousness, I think you're on to something with uh, with Macho and Flair or the final four. Yeah, I think those are the two. Um, I think the, the only last consideration yep. I can even think of mm-hmm. is it's I know we reviewed it and it's not really as good as we remembered. But just because it to me, it's like an actual memorable moment. It's It's got the moment factor. What is that? Hulk Hogan versus yeah. the Ultimate Warrior. I was hoping you'd bring that up. Six. It's great. I mean, the, the, the wrestling quality sticks. isn't great, but like, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big, big deal. And it's still one that you can get invested in when you watch it. Right, because you got the two champions, title for title. Yeah. I, that, does, that doesn't really happen the whole decade. Title for title. Now, there's right. the champion versus champion with Sean versus Brett. Right. Intercontinental, but the yeah. Intercontinental title's on the line. Right. Um, this is a big, big, big deal at the time. Speaking of Sean versus Brett, they have Survivor Series 92, which I think is great, but I just don't think it's of the magnitude of any of these. Yep. But it's a good match. It's okay. What do you think of the Iron Man, though? Hmm. My problem with the Iron Man is it's completely unwatchable after you see it once. You think so? Even from, like, just a, I'm going to watch this match and try to appreciate it point of view? They do good wrestling, but it's of the time. So, again, you have the, like... You're still stuck in 1996 and the conventions of 1996 which are Eclipse. The style has changed after that, really. True. Um, Sean's match the month later against Diesel is better than that. Right, exactly. I think that alone should knock it off the table, right? Right, it it's unfortunate. And of course, I wish Survivor <laughs> Series 97 could have been good. Yeah, but, it's not. Well, you know, the ending ruins it. So. Yeah. And, and, and the, I, it, was, it was just a regular match. It's I, really they, not the that good. The thing is, it's like if you cut a match halfway off, you're, yeah. kinda, you're gimping it. Like it could be the like, I bet you if that didn't happen, I actually wonder like if that match would have been an all time great. It could have been. Brett thinks it would have been. Honestly, yeah. Brett says it would have been, but doesn't make him right. right. <laughs> he, he would say that anyway. Well, Quinn, I think can we both agree, if nothing else, on Macho and Flair going on? Macho and Flair, definitely. Okay, so let's put that on. Okay. I don't see anything knocking that off. For number one, Ric Flair versus Macho Man Randy Savage, WrestleMania 8. I'm also really pushing hard for Shawn Michaels' Diesel. Hmm. It's really, really, really good. Personally, I find the Fatal 4, Final 4, way better better than that. Really? Why is that? Just because the stakes feel so high. Vacant title. Vacant title. Four hungry guys. Four hungry guys, an unresolved Royal Rumble. Really, WrestleMania weeks away. Okay. Uh, And you're like, okay, like, 
seriously, at the time, I was like, what the fuck is going to even happen? <laughs> like, like, And even then, Brett loses the belt the next night. The next night, night yeah. yeah. like It's just, True. it's the epitome of the chaos that I love about the 90s. It's, it's all the stuff Paul was trying to inject into wrestling as a whole, right. coming together in the mainstream. Do you think it holds up to this day? Yes. I do oh too. my god, I watched it recently. It's fantastic. It's really good. Folks, if you haven't seen any of these matches or haven't seen them recently, check them out because these are every match we've mentioned is very good. Actually, you know, we we totally missed one um that people will probably get on our case. Well, I, I have more in mind. What do you okay. got? Cuz we forgot Sean versus Mankind. Mankind. Yeah, yeah, I was going to literally bring that up. Okay. Sean versus Mankind was Mind Games in your house September 96, and it showed that Mick Foley could fucking main event. It showed that he could main event. It it showed Sean in a He'd been portrayed in like a more of a technical light, I felt, at that point in time. The technical and the high flying. Yeah, the technical and the high flying, as Brett would say. Yeah. <laughs> and this showed he could brawl with the best of them. Hell yeah. And and 96, Sean, one of the best wrestlers that there ever I was. Mean, 90- a lot of the matches from this this year with Shawn Michaels, you could there's so many you could just put at the top of the list. He was damn good in 96. I yeah. mean, I don't know about his bulldog matches or, or whatever. But- I mean, I even I know it's stupid and I it won't make the list, but I even enjoyed when Sean fought Sid oh, at Survivor Series 96. Well, because Sid wins. Well, not even just that. It That's was just, part I it like. was just a good match. It is general. a good match, it, Meltzer. It's just, yes. it's just good. <laughs> good match? Yeah, good match. Uh, match. So are we going to put Final Four on, though, and then we'll get the nitty and Final gritty? Final Four, yes. Okay. We have to. So for number two, Final Four, February 1997 in your house. I want to get nitty and I want to get gritty with you, Quinn. Okay. Brett Diesel or Shawn Michaels Diesel? Let's let's pick one that we want to keep and Brett one we want to get rid of. or Shawn Michaels Diesel. Yeah. I like the good. leg match. <laughs> I know it's stupid, but like it's more like it's intense. a better match. It's yeah. a little more intense. I agree with you. Now, I obviously love Brett winning the title. The Brett Diesel might actually make it. Also, I'm not sure. Yet. <laughs> oh I, shit! So I, don't I eliminate really, one of them. I, no, don't eliminate. But like Brett Owen, Brett Owen. That's good too. That's good, but I don't think it's as good as those two. It's not. No, Warrior. because you okay, know what? It, it's that like foregone conclusion situation where it's like. You know like Brett's winning. Owen Hart's winning. Yeah, get out of here. Warrior Hogan. Okay, that's gonna be the that's like the wild card. The wrestling is so poopy though, and it like it's terrible. It doesn't hold up in terms of wrestling. It's no, it actually, yeah. <laughs> you're you're right. It actually is. And then you got Sean Mankind. You know what? The one of the problems though, out of all of these matches that we just mentioned, Quinn. Yeah. Sean Mankind does not have a clean finish. There's a DQ ending. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Sid yeah. runs in or what someone about, fader. You know. You know what's actually a weird a weird one that gets uh, overlooked? And I, I thought this guy did a good job in both. British Bulldog versus Brett or Sean. I, there's a couple of occasions where he gets a title shot. The Brett Bulldog match, I think, is pretty good. It's not as good as the SummerSlam one. It's mm-hmm. a totally different match. Right. The Brett Sean stuff, I mean, the Bulldog Sean stuff is okay. It, the, the angle surrounding it is such shit. I just thought that that time period right after Bulldog cut his hair, he's a pretty decent guy to throw into the title main event picture. Yeah, if there were ever a time to push him, that yeah. was the time to do it. I thought he did great. I, I thought he put really good matches. He posted really good matches with both Brett and Sean. He did. I, I'm not sure that they're the all-time greats, so... There, there might not be all-time greats, but they might be something to look back at. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Yeah. I think Shawn Michaels Diesel should be number three. I really do. With the, with the leg, the, with leg the, match. the whole thing. Yeah, good uh, friends, good enemies. <laughs> yeah, good friends, better enemies. <laughs> I know. Sure. Do you disagree? Because that'll make it, right? That's yeah, really when, one of the best ones. When we're ones. like comparing it, yeah. Okay. Because, look, you guys know, and you know, of course, Quinn, I'm a Bret Hart fan. 
Right. But I've got to be objective. Even though he's a giant douchebag in 96, Shawn Michaels was an amazing wrestler. Yeah, I mean, that's li- that's literally like his best period. It his is. His hottest period. It really is. He Total ass wipe. You know, everybody said that the heartbreak kid couldn't hang with you in a no-holds-barred match. Whoops. Proved them wrong again. But awesome wrestler. Hey, I will say this. When you can um, wrestle that good in 1996, I, it's... I don't think anybody should be telling him who he should be fighting. Like, it should be up to him. Tell me a lie, Quinn. Uh. For number three, Shawn Michaels versus Diesel. (laughs) This is gritty. Hard. Very hard. Brett Diesel, Austin Dude Love is really good, too. But that's of its time. Yeah. That's one of the things. Remember what we were saying about holding up versus not? Yeah. But the Iron Man might not hold up. Austin Dude Love is basically a glorified brawl. And it doesn't hold up the same way a brawl like Shawn Michaels Diesel because there's emotion or yeah. Bret Hart versus Diesel because there's a story. Is, so I'm. Is there anything in '99? No, '99's not really. That you're, no, that we're not remembering. No, I mean there's the Mankind Rock I Quit match, which is just painful to watch from Royal Rumble. There's the Rock Stone Cold duo of matches they had at what WrestleMania. About anything Triple H did in the no. end of '99? No, no, no. Okay. No, 99 literally, I don't think, has anything that would make the list. Okay. I'm just, uh, we got to cover all our bases yep. here. And nothing else in 98 would either, and I don't think anything else in any other year would. I think what we have on the table is what one of them's going to win. And I might say Brett versus Diesel is the best match on there. I'll, I'll run it down real quick, okay? I think it's between Brett and Diesel and uh, WrestleMania 6. Good. That's what I was thinking. So yeah. here's what we got, folks. Real quick. Brett Diesel, Austin Dude Love. I would wipe Austin Dude Love out of there. It's good. I just don't think it it's, hold up. it's not going to hold up now. Brett Owen is a little too sterile for a cage match. Yeah. Great match. Don't get me wrong. Like too, you said. Sterile is the word for it. Sterile is a good word. Fun. Yeah. Okay. Warrior Hogan. We're going to keep. Shawn Michaels Mankind, I think, again, doesn't have a clean finish. Yeah, it doesn't have a clean. Yeah, get, that, get rid of that. Okay. What about... um. The Undertaker's two SummerSlam matches, 97 and 98. Okay. Uh, um, the, we didn't talk about them. And I, to me, those were like tentpole matches. Uh, they brought a lot of fans good. into the building. The Brett one is okay. They had a better match at one night only. It was called right in September, the UK pay-per-view. That, Does that, that count on the list? Oh, shit. UK pay-per-view. Yeah, but even so, I don't think I, it's I don't one think of it the would best. make it, but I, yeah. the, the SummerSlam one, I it's to good, me, I really like that match. I do too, but I don't think it's uh, I don't know. And then what was the other one you said? Oh. Stone Cold versus The Undertaker the oh, next man. year. The nostalgia that the Highway to Hell SummerSlam brings back to me, just yeah. being 13 years old, I just summer think of 98. That, that picture, the animated picture with The Undertaker using like the Statue of Liberty yes. to like hit Stone Cold with. Or <laughs> with the some, Empire State Building yeah, or something like that. It's like something like that. That was as close as they got to something like a Warrior Hogan in 1998. That was a big deal. That's as close as they got to a classic SummerSlam from like the late, late 80s. 80s. Like that's... That whole card has a great classic SummerSlam feel about but, it. Uh, the, the title match yeah. is pretty good. That's really good. Yeah. But it's not as good as Brett Diesel, and it's not as important as Warrior Hogan. Right. I think that's where the chips have fallen, Quinn. Okay. So let's go through it here. We have a better matchup. Brett Diesel. A wrestling matchup. Correct. In, uh, Brett Diesel. We have a title change. We have a title change in both matches. Mm-hmm. So if we're not just judging it strictly on wrestling... It's got to be Warrior Hogan. That's a bigger match. That was one of their biggest matches that they had. But if we're judging it on the match in rewatchability, I would say it was the Diesel Brett. I'd agree. So which one is it? Hmm. You want to do a count of three and we'll say, and if we stalemate, then we'll have to keep talking. Okay. 
All right. One, two, three. Brett, Brett Diesel. Diesel. Okay. Okay. That's, wow, okay. That's how we had to decide this well, one. I think a lot of people are going to be upset about this one. I think people are going to be upset about the entire list, and some people are still going to ask why Rumble 92 is not on there, even though we mentioned we it already. We explained that already. <laughs> so just hold your horses. It's on too many lists Yeah, at this like, point. enough like, with this. No, it listen, would make not, it, yes. It's not even just that, though. It's like all these matches, they can't do what that... It's not It's not a level playing field. Right. Like, it's not fair. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like not every match can have the entire roster make right. it good. Like, <laughs> so let's get Brett Diesel on there for number four. Well, to recap for Donnie, or Mount Rushmore, of 90s WWF world title pay-per-view matches is Macho Man Randy Savage versus Ric Flair, the final four, Shawn Michaels versus Diesel, and Bret Hart versus Diesel. Who the fuck would have thought that Diesel would make two Rushmores? That's amazing. Double Diesel, baby. Double Ds. Double Ds. Uh, cool Daddy himself. So that is our Mount Rushmore. That's four of the best. Quinn, why don't you kick us off with one of the worst? Bret Hart versus Rachel Ramon. Oh, oh come, come on. on! It's not one of the worst. Joe? Oh, come on, man! It is so boring. It is boring. I'm it not gonna lie. So come incredibly on. boring. Are you fucking serious? You're it's just- a half an hour match just because, like, oh, we gotta make Brett do a half an hour. Like, there's no reason that Razor Ramon should be in that position. Oh, I agree. Doing there. that kind of match I can't at that point in his career, <clears throat> it's disgusting. It offends me. It's horrible. It's all horrible to me. It like represents the downturn. Like, it's one of those matches where I look at the Humble '93 and I'm like, oh man, it's getting bad. We're heading into '93. Like, this is the best we can do. <sighs> It's so terrible. Do you want me to be objective for a second? Yeah. Okay. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> no, it's not good. Razor Ramon stinks until he's a face in, right. in WWF, right? All of a sudden, he becomes a good wrestler once he learns about yeah. ladders or something. I think we mentioned it last week when you were saying, like, everyone has these rose-colored glasses because Razor Ramon had the white pants or something, but, yeah. like, he wasn't good. Yeah. He honestly wasn't good yet. Right. Uh Fine. I'll keep it on the table. However, okay. However, and I'm not doing this to retaliate. I literally thought of this one. I'm not just Shawn Michaels versus Ken Shamrock is the <laughs> Attitude Era equivalent. It's a piece of shit. It is a piece of. It shit. It is Quinn at a um, it's horrible pay per view. Shawn thing. Well, it's well, a Ken Shamrock. Just like it's a razor thing. No, yeah, exactly. It's the guy involved. I never liked it because it seems like such a like. Again, it's foregone conclusion. Like, yeah. Ken Shamrock winning the title from Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Like, really? That's never happening ever. What about Undertaker versus Farouk? From King of the Ring 97? <laughs> that was supposed to be Ahmed Johnson, you know. Well, but Ahmed, like, was always injured, so... He was wasn't. always injured, and didn't he, like, piss people off, too? Like, Both, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he was injuring people, getting injured, and was pissing people off. So yeah. just not a, And had weird knee pads. I mean, on that note, there's also the Mabel Big Daddy Dink Mabel match. versus Cool Daddy? Yeah. Mabel versus Daddy is bad, but I'll tell you what's actually worse. What? Either of the Sid versus Diesel matches from In Your Houses. Oh, yeah. That is the real shit. The first one is poor. Yeah, that one's worse because it's horrible. At least the second one is helped by the fact that it's a lumberjack match. So there's well, people. I don't know if I'd say it has helped because <laughs> Tatanka's there. Well, so that's that, never good. That ruins things. How about this one, Quinn? Sid Undertaker, WrestleMania 13. Yeah, I hate that. It's really terrible. He's got the uniform <laughs> from when he, when he won a tile in 1991. Speaking of which, Hogan Undertaker is bad, too. Yeah, that's pretty but hard. It's, it's fun. Man, we're, okay, we're amassing I a know. large list here very quickly. There's a lot of bad, isn't there? Yes, there is. Here's an interesting one that might make the list. Yes. Montreal. 
Because it's like an actual match that's ruined. Well, it would have been bad anyway because it would have been a schmoz finish if they did it Brett's way. Like, it still would have been stupid. It could have still had some good competitive action before the schmoz. Yeah, I never liked that match. Even if you take out the ending, it's really weird. Like, well, it's obvious. Like, one side is like thinking that, oh, fuck, we got to like do this thing. Right. The other side's like, I'm leaving. I don't care. Schmoz finish. Schmoz. I'm preparing for a schmoz. Like, so, like, every, there's a total miscommunication. And then the ending. So, the ending itself is ass. It's ass. It stinks. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's a good contender. I gotta say, though, Survivor Series 1999. Triple H was the world champion. Okay. And he was going to defend in a triple threat against The Rock and Austin. But Austin gets run over. The Big Show wins the world title for absolutely no reason in this triple threat match. (laughs) No one wanted the Big Show to be the world champion. Right. All he does is poke his ugly, big, seven-foot face into this thing, and he's the world champion for like a month and a half. There was no reason for any of this. Big Show with hair. Like yes. the, the short hair? No, the long hair. And he has still. a shirt on. The short hair was after Royal Rumble. But he has that weird yes. shirt with the like cyborg on he it. He might something. have that, yes. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know about. what you mean. So <laughs> this sucked, and I'm not sure that I like it. I, in fact, I, I don't like it. <laughs> but there's yeah. probably a lot in 99 you don't like. Well, and the Austin stuff with The Rock is okay. I don't like Austin versus. Vince and Shane. What's that one where Austin wouldn't lose the belt to Triple H thing? That sucks. SummerSlam. (laughs) So Mick Foley has to win it for no (laughs) reason. What the fuck with that? Yeah, that's weird. You know what? That might make it, actually, because it's such (laughs) crap. It really is crap. Now, do you really, though? Because, like, it is nice that Mankind gets a title run because these idiots can't agree on anything. A title run? He had it for a day. Come on, Michael. (laughs) Don't don't be funny over there. (laughs) What about the casket match from Royal Rumble 94? Undertaker, Yoko Tuna. Okay, that's it. Okay. That, that is hideous. Now, as much as Wow, we, I didn't even like... I, wow, I'm surprised we didn't think of that first. Now, as much as I liked it for entertainment value when we did the commentary... It stinks! What do you mean value? It has no value. For number one, Undertaker versus Yokozuna. <laughs> Marty Gennetti. Die, die, die. That's <laughs> not Marty Gennetti. Who is uh, it again? It's just some guy. Isn't it Brian Williams it's not or whatever? Bri- the, from, Bri- from, from the NBC News, but, yes. You know, not the fake crush, Brian McAdams. <laughs> Who's but- the fake crush? Fake There's a fake crush now. Um, t- too hot, Brian S- Skillet. I don't know what's his name again. <laughs> what are you Brian t- Lee? He's the fake crush now, isn't he? Fake Undertaker. He's fake crush also. <laughs> now what about? Okay, let's talk about Yoko Tuna again. Yeah. Why do I keep saying Yoko Tuna like that's stinks. funny? <laughs> Listen, Something's I will fishy. go on the record. He sucks at wrestling. Can everyone stop acting like he was ever good? Seriously, Joe, I don't get it. I don't get it. He's a big fat guy. I was saying to you the other day, like, it looks like Virgil could beat him, even though he doesn't, and calls him Yakazuma for five minutes. This Yakazuma. He shouldn't be beating anybody. He can't walk. Stop it. So, (laughs) no. (laughs) He's like, it's like if if you gave the championship to a building. Like... It's like, how? Now, Yoko versus Lex Luger. Yes, from not SummerSlam. Oh, that's a hideous thing. SummerSlam's bad. Well, no, SummerSlam's good. It's just that count, the that- count-out ending. WrestleMania 10, 
that's maybe a 14, 16 minute match. And mm-hmm. I swear I'm not making this up like seven minutes as a nerve hold. <laughs> the ending is stupid with the perfect in the striped jumpsuit. And then like yeah. Luger's and dumb. Like, I remember WrestleMania nine all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden. But that match is really poor, Quinn. The best part of it is that Donnie Wahlberg, and this is for you. I know who you are out there. Yoko oh, Zuna. Yoko Zuna. That's the best part of the whole thing. It's true. Luger Yoko. That is awful. Is um King of the Ring count as a Yoko main event? Well, it's a Yoko title match. Yeah. So King of the Ring 93, Hogan. What about that? It stinks. It stinks. But I like Hogan losing, like we mentioned, you know, with the photographer. <laughs> you like that, but the match is hideous. It is, but I don't know if it's worse than the Luger Yoko from WrestleMania 10. Okay. So now we've had he's had two matches that sucked. I don't know. I feel like I feel like Yoko, if he's going to make it again besides the Undertaker match, it should be the Luger WrestleMania 10. But I don't know if it's fair to just put Yoko into this whole thing when Sid had a bunch of pay-per-view t- title matches as well. Okay. Undertaker versus Sid. Well, no, Diesel versus Sid is worse. Diesel versus... Yeah, that... From In Your House 1. What are we doing? Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and it's the first In Your House you would think they would try to set a precedent of it's good. It's so terrible. Yeah. Like, why would they put Sid in the main event? It should be on, like, one of those, um like, countdown to this shows. <laughs> you know, like, the same one where, like, Luger fought Tatanka for the hundredth time. Ugh. This one's going to get a special induction. Here it is. It sucks. <laughs> die, die, die. Wow. Diesel Sid. All right. So we got two more spots to fill here. We've talked about Undertaker versus Sid. That's really bad. We've talked about Mabel versus Diesel. I think we need to talk more about Mabel versus Diesel. Well, why? It's been justified that Diesel needed somebody to fight. Yeah, but didn't Mabel try to, like, hurt him or something? Not on purpose. He's just sloppy. Yeah, but I'm just saying, and he yells at him audibly in the middle of the match. You know what I don't like? If you're going to put your title on a seven-foot champion... Why do you have to make him try to fight like a fatter guy? Why do they do this because all the have, time? you'll have sympathy for the guy that's smaller. Do that's you that, always, though? No, I know that that's the You'll idea. have sympathy for Shawn Michaels, who's well, the only... And, and Bret Hart. Those are the only two guys who could fight him. First of all, Bret Hart went out of his way at Rumble 95 to make Diesel look good. Bret played the heel. Second of all, Shawn was an asswipe and made himself look like the face. Depends on the opponent. I don't think any... Not that, the size. See, that, that's the problem to me, is I don't think you can blame anybody smaller than him for going out of their way to look like it's it's just hard not to seem like the underdog when you're you're a foot less taller than this guy like Kevin Nash has gone on record and said that Shawn Michaels sabotaged him in that match by the way all right before you start (laughs) yeah of course but before you start trying to make excuses okay okay let's look at it this way let me ask you something in all seriousness what after Shawn won that Royal Rumble the way he did was there any way in hell that anyone was going to root for Diesel in that title match? I mean, it depended. They could have if he would have wanted them to boo him and cheer. You know what I mean? What Sean about- just went out of his way to not worry about that. <laughs> also, Diesel looks like a big fucking dick yes. taking the girls at the end. I agree. That's a Hogan move. It's very so, much a Hulk Hogan move. I don't think it's all on Sean here. It's mostly on Sean here. But you know what? Let's not worry about Sean. Let's not worry about that right now because we have... I have to fucking put this on. I really want to put this on, Quinn. SummerSlam 99 pisses the shit fuck out of me off to this day. This whole, like, mankind thing. Because, listen, I know that a lot of people don't like Triple H and you don't have to... I don't even like him that much. Like, I actually don't. Yeah. But if we're going to crow and cry... 
on the IWC that how Hogan was a politicker, mm-hmm. how Shawn Michaels was a politicker, how Brett was a politicker. Austin, and you have to admit this too, Quinn, should have done what his boss wanted him to do yeah. and lose the title to the guy that they wanted to win the title. And he ends up, no, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> and they have to put Mankind in there for no fucking reason. <laughs> Fuck that. Get it out of here. Can we talk about Steve Austin, Kane, First Blood? King and of then, the Ring. Yeah, King of the Ring. And it, you know, it's it is just, crap. It's crappy. <laughs> Let's I be hate honest. the idea of that match. Like, I hate the idea that if you get busted open, you lose. It's dumb. It was a good way to get the title off of Austin. My question is, why did they need to? Bro, I don't know. That one's not good. But, Quinn, look, here's what's on here. Taker, Yoko, yes. and Diesel, Sid. That's to give you an idea of the caliber that we're talking about. Yeah. I think we want to talk pay-per-view main events. If you don't want to put SummerSlam 99 on there because of the IWC influence or whatever, Undertaker, Sid, if you look at that objectively as a world title match at a WrestleMania, it sucks. It's really oh, bad. Oh, man. Okay. I might go with that. I think we should. I might also go with um, Ultimate Warrior versus Rick Rude at SummerSlam when the cage you thing. Know, you know what? That, that stinks. It, there's uh, some like romanticism about the the warrior uh, rude feud. I watched that again recently and I was very disappointed. Their 89 SummerSlam match blows this out of the water. The one for the IC title? Yeah. This is not good at all. Yeah, it's not very There's good. There's no suspense. It's a poorly it didn't need to be in a cage. Like what they do doesn't necessitate a cage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's actually funny that we're talking about a lot of these matches and they're matches that people tend to remember a lot. Like you back to even the Kane and Stone Cold and the Warrior Rude. They people like romanticize those things because I think because it was the, when Austin lost the title for the first time and it led to that really good Raw the next night. I guess Vince Russo was on to something. But with it's that. a fucking terrible. It is like bad. on paper that match is bad. Yeah, and the same thing with the Warrior and Rude. Like it's bad because like well Warrior beat Rude already. Like, yeah, and they fought the month before on Saturday Night's main event. It's just bad. Like, I, I don't know why people... But there's a lot of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, um, like this is even bad, even though it's funny that Hulk Hogan loses at Survivor Series. To the Undertaker, that match is horrible. But the match is hideous. Is it worse than Hogan versus Yokozuna from King of the Ring? No. That one's worse, that right? That one's more, okay. to me, that one's more, like, just ludicrous. Like, I don't understand why Hulk Hogan would lose to a camera. <laughs> like. Should that go on? It's really bad. The only satisfying part is that Yoko wins, right? But other yeah, than that, but it's it, not good. To me, it's the same effect of, like, the Survivor Series thing again, right? It's the it, same thing. It's the, oh, man, Hulk Hogan lost the match. It's still, it's the same thing when Hulk Hogan lost the Saturday Night's main event or whatever to the title. How much plastic surgery? Yeah. Anytime he loses, it's hilarious, but it's usually like a horribly <laughs> shitty match. You're right, except for the Warrior, obviously. Yeah. Yoko versus Hogan's a real piece of shit. Yeah. Everything about it's annoying because Hogan being there to begin with is annoying. Jimmy what, Hart being there is annoying. What about all the chicanery and bullshit at this Tuesday in Texas with The Undertaker and Hulk Hogan? The also? rematch? The rematch. Where there's like ashes and Jack Tunney's there or something? Yeah. That one sucks. I think the Survivor Series match is worse, though. <laughs> I actually do trying to think if there's anything else we're overlooking here before we finally get some nit and some grit. Quinn, Undertaker and Sid is still sitting on the list. Why? Is there... Is there Quinn, Undertaker I, Sid is still sitting on the list. Undertaker. Like, what, yeah. Can we put this on? Yeah. It's, I hate that match. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's got the whole JR <laughs> uniform and like all of it's shitty. And what a horrible way to kick off the Undertaker's title run. Yeah. It's a bear hug. <laughs> 
And then you're just like, the whole time, you're like, why couldn't this just be the Austin versus Brett for the <laughs> right. title? Why couldn't Brett win that fucking match on Raw or whatever? You yeah, know? with Austin's help. I tried to help you! <laughs> you're a loser! <laughs> Your stones are so cold! It has the best go-home show ever, and it, then they fuck it all up at the pay-per-view. And the Undertaker wears the weird leather hat yeah. all of 97 and fights Farouk. Yeah. <laughs> for number three, Undertaker versus Sid. Die, die, die. All right, cool. We got one more to go here. So we got two Undertaker matches and two Sid matches are on Death Valley. God. I should tell you something. This is quite a Death Valley. Well, what about Luger versus Yoko from WrestleMania 10? I have a soft spot for that only because I love the Mr. Perfect, like, fucking lover <laughs> thing. Like, you don't put your hands on a WWF official. Yeah, also Mr. Thing. Perfect's ref attire is pretty good. The jumpsuit. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny. All baggy it's and better everything. better than any Shawn Michaels ref attire That's, ever. Yeah, at least his legs are covered. Yeah. All right, fine. I'll take it off. Now, Rick Rude Warrior, I don't think it's horrible, but I don't think it's good. So I'm yeah. going so to take that off. Okay, you can take that off. SummerSlam 99, I'm going to take off on account of the only reason I hate it is because of the booking. Yeah. But it's not you good. You really can't like just be like, it sucks because I thought this guy should have won because yeah, of big mark. booking. I know, I know. Like, yeah. Now, I feel bad trying to put another Diesel match on here, mm-hmm. but Diesel Mabel was really bad. I think that's a big contender. Diesel Bulldog from October was really bad. I think bad. we should really deep dive into 95 here because that's, Oof. I think, the source of well, a lot of the shit. Well, Quinn, I mean, honestly, Diesel, unless he was fighting Sean or Brett, he did not have good matches. Do you remember if this was any good? Because I don't remember feeling like it was good, but what? I could be wrong. What? Diesel versus British Bulldog. It's very bad. Yeah. It's the one where Vince threw down his headset after the pay-per-view and was like really pissed <laughs> at how bad it was. I mean... It's really poor. It's to me between something like that or the King Mabel. We got Yoko Hogan, too. You know what? Fuck it. That match is yeah, horrible. let's do that. Because I don't think Mabel's good. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah. With that match, the actual wrestling part of it Right. It's actually better than it sounds on paper. Mm-hmm. It really is. I'm not kidding. Right. I'm not saying it's good. Don't try to misquote me. <laughs> all right. But it's not the worst match. But Hogan versus Yoko in 93, enough. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> get this out of it's here. It's not even good on paper. It's okay. not good in plastic either. That's fine. For number four, Hulk Hogan versus Yokozuna. Die, die, die. Well, to recap for Donnie, we've got a lot of Yokozuna and Sid on this list. <laughs> Our Death Valley is Undertaker versus Yoko, Royal Rumble 94. Diesel versus Sid in your house one. Undertaker versus Sid from from uh, WrestleMania 13. And Hulk Hogan versus Yoko from King of the Ring 93. That's our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of 1990s WWF world title pay-per-view matches. Please let us know yours. I'm going to run out of oxygen. You can do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com or simply join the group on Facebook.com and you can let us know there. Quinn. Yeah. When we come back, let's go to Disney World, shall we? Okay. I think it'll be a nice time, right? I think I need the rest after that (laughs) freaking thing. So we got a very special review coming up for you right after this.
Attention! Attention! You have the power to tap into the all-new WCW Wrestling Hotline! Just pick up the phone and call to get the inside scoop from WCW superstars like Missy Hyatt, Ric Flair, and Tony Schiavone. Step into the ring and play pin the champ! You are in control! Get connected to WCW! Call right now! The WCW Wrestling Hotline! 1-900-909-9900! Calls cost 99 cents per minute. Kids get parents' permission to call. Charges will appear our parents' phone bill. We now return to regular programming. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode number 93. Quinn, we have a few friends of the show that we like to shout out every week. Yes, our friends. They are great friends. Our great friends. Uh, A couple of shows that we do recommend that you check out. One of them is hosted by a wrestler and an independent wrestling referee that is currently on an extended hiatus. That would be Big Daddy Mike Crockett and his partner, the wrestler, ROH's own Brian Malonis. The Wine City Whaler himself. You can see him on Ring of Honor, and they host the wrestling podcast about nothing WPAN. It comes out every single Monday. Last week, we actually filled in. The two of us did for Mike Crockett. Yeah, we were on that show, uh, Worst Matches. Yeah, Worst Matches we talked about with Brian. It's a great show. They bring their unique perspective to this program. As guys that have worked in the business, but have also been fans, they'll give you a little current, a little retro, a little overall objective about wrestling in general. It's a really good show. WPAN, the wrestling podcast about nothing. Another one, which comes out on Thursdays, is Greetings from Allentown. GF Allentown. That is hosted by one very very lonely, quirky, unique man, Quinn, our little brother, Petey Winston. Yep, baby Petey. <laughs> baby Petey. Each week what he does is he uses an old episode of Some Kind of Wrestling as a canvas, if you will, as a backdrop, and he paints a vivid psychedelic picture <laughs> interweaved with stories from his own personal experiences, anecdotes, asides, little sound clips. I wonder where he got that style from. All <laughs> sorts of wonderful stuff. It is GF Allentown. Greetings from Allentown. I know it's one of my favorite shows and Quinn's as well. Yep, I love taking a trip to the mind of Peter Winston. It's a great time. And also check out Booking the Territory with Mike Mills. They do the NWA, the good era the Crockett era, mm-hmm. and they also do some Smoky Mountain south of the Mason-Dixon line. They are kind of the southern fried version, Quinn, of OVP. Yep, country fried steak version <laughs> of us. So check those guys out. That's the wrestling podcast about nothing. Greetings from Allentown and Book in the Territory with Mike Mills. Those are the friends of the show, but Quinn, we are reviewing something. Yes, we are, and we're like Book in the Territory this week. We're yeah, going down south. We are going down south. Now, folks, we are doing 1993. This is WCW Worldwide. Quinn, you asked me a question when we were watching this. Mm-hmm. Is Worldwide their B show, their C show? Nobody like, fucking knows. It's fucking weird. I don't know. Like, what is this show? There's, like, promos on it, but they kind of care. There's a spinny ring and stuff. <laughs> like, it, it's all over the place. The production value is super high. It is, yeah. It's, like, it's on every week. Yeah. It, it has a pretty decent time slot. Right, because clearly Saturday Night was their A show at this point. This In is before Nitro. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is October 2nd, 1993, Worldwide. But I don't know if it was just like parallel with pro. Like they're the, the matchups same. seem similar. Yeah, I don't know if it was their B uh, show. You know, maybe it's more like the relationship between um, All Star Wrestling and Championship Wrestling, where they're kind of similar-ish. Right, like, the same kind of shit happens on them. Not too much differentiation. Yeah, yeah. you might be right. Now, folks, I want to mention this is during the infamous. WCW Disney MGM Studios era. Yeah, the little, that tower with the Mickey ears on it <laughs> yes, thing. Yes, the Mickey ears. 
As a cost-saving measure, and also because it was very easy to produce, one smart thing from a business standpoint that Eric Bischoff did upon assuming power in 93, besides count the pens. Yeah, the pencils, everything. They got very mad at him for that, by the way. (laughs) I don't blame them, but I agree with Bischoff. Is he moved their syndicated programming taping to Disney MGM Studios, now known as Disney Hollywood. I've been there. It's a good studio. It's a good little theme park. Oh, good for you. And this was an attraction, meaning, you know, Joe Blow... (laughs) From Des Moines, yeah, would wander in with his with a sunburned family, yeah. Like, oh, they got the wrestle in here. Yeah. Is Huck Hogan gonna be here? <laughs> I guess in Iowa they have southern accents. And yeah. anyway, what you would do is you would go in here, and the seating was like a ride almost. <laughs> yeah, my favorite part is these these like you know like when you're on the like bar. a roller coaster like in a bar they're in seats but there's a bar over them it's really weird it's so odd and you'd sit in here for however long you know i guess the the length of a taping like not not the whole taping but like the length of an attraction right how you'd normally sit in for like here's the lion king which i did yeah when i was like old. half an hour probably or yeah, something. Pr- yeah probably not that long because the matches are quick yeah and they'd kind of be coached on who to cheer and to boo Right. I don't know for sure that there was an applause and a boo sign, but I wouldn't put it past them. You know, this is kind of an analogy almost of how wrestling has like it had become so bad that they had like resorted to like being an attraction at a park. A free attraction, I <laughs> like think, too. Free... <laughs> Basically, people come in. Well, there's probably an entrance that like doesn't look like a wrestling right. arena. They come in and they go in and then they they walk in. They sit in their seats. The lights come up. The wrestlers come out. They do like three matches for them, and then the next that group leaves, yep. and then the next come in. That's what it is. <laughs> and they're coached on who to cheer and boo. They don't give a shit. They don't care. They're just sitting there they're for like, a half hour. They're like animals or something yeah. down there. It's like go, it's like a lab experiment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're really just sitting weird. there. They're on vacation. And one of the drawbacks to these tapings, folks, is that WCW, from a business point, it was great because they were able to tape a ton of footage in a short amount of time. Right. One of the drawbacks is that they taped it way in advance, and it would lead to wacky things like because negative type. Changes. Negative title reigns and people coming to the ring with belts that they wouldn't win for months and months. <laughs> but we're right here, smack dab in the fall of 1993. October 2nd, 1993 is when it aired. When it was taped, is anybody's guess? It could have been July. <laughs> like, seriously, it could when have been. It, when did it actually start, this taping stuff? I think it was the summer of 93, but don't quote me on that, folks. Mm-hmm. If you know more about the Disney tapings, please feel free to let us know, Petey. Seen by the, <laughs> the attire of the folks there, they're all short sleeve yeah. shorts. It's probably the summer. Well, it's also Florida, so you never. <laughs> No. Is Florida that warm all year? Yes. Okay. I didn't I've know. I've been there in February. I've never been there. Yeah. So. Oh, that's right. Oh. <gasps> Donate on Patreon so Quinn can go to Florida one Why? day. Why? <laughs> Why would I want to go to Florida? Disney. Oh, right. Disney. Don't you want your Mickey I ears? do want to go to Disney. All right. Don't want to go to the land or the world, though. World. It's better. Land is just like a Six Flags. Okay. The one in California. Gotcha. WCW Worldwide, October 2nd, 1993. We are hosted from Disney MGM Studios. Mickey Ears, Tony Schiavone, and Stone Cold Jesse Ventura. Holy shit. Tony Schiavone and Jesse the Body Ventura. That's a bottom line, Tony Schiavone. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) So Gary Capetta introduces us to our opening contest. It's Ric Flair and the guy that uh, Ric Flair wishes he was. Yep. Paul Roma. This is why we wanted to pick this. Because (laughs) on the picture for YouTube.com or whatever. Yeah, you've heard of it. It showed Ric Flair and Roman I was like wait a sec I don't think I've ever seen them like team or like be together other than like loose stuff that was like shown to me elsewhere (laughs) the tourist crowd cheers of course right on cue when they come out introducing team number one the horseman 
Their opponents, Quinn, are the uh, the mercenaries who are two guys in like camo with face paint. Flair came back for this shit. <laughs> like, really? This I is know. horrible. It is pretty bad. And not that WWF was any better no, at I this know. point, I but know. still. Pee Wee Anderson's the ref. Uh, Roma starts with one of these idiots here. Then Flair and the other guy get in. And you mm. said, Quinn, this crowd has no idea who Ric Flair is. That makes me sad, too. They're not wrestling fans. They don't know who anybody is. No. Unless just... it's the Huckster. Which wouldn't happen, right, for another yeah. year or well, so? good thing they got this MGM thing. It was all building <laughs> yes. to getting Hulk Hogan. And then, you know what's funny? The crowd gets, like, a synchronized, like, clap <laughs> going for no reason. There was no, like, call for it Weren't in the match. cheering for... Roma or something? Who would cheer for Paul exactly, Roma? which makes it more fake. Team champions were fine champions. They were fine champions, but in my opinion, they were not champions, per se. Roma dominates. I guess WCW really believed in him. I didn't. <laughs> Nobody else did, really. <laughs> and a powerplex. I was already surprised. Yep. Ric Flair does a vertical suit play, and Roma with the splash off the top rope gets the win. Yeah, Ric Flair Hercules. <laughs> like, that's... It's sad that he would have to, you know, mimic that shitty wrestling. Yeah, really, when you're reduced to doing a Hercules finisher. What the fuck is Ric Flair here? He's a face, which is already a drawback. He's going to fight Ravishing Rick Rude, I guess. Yes, that's coming up. uh, At Halloween Havoc, everyone's favorite pay-per-view. At the Halloween Havoc. Speaking of which, Gordon Suplay himself is with our Halloween Havoc report from Quinn. The Halloween Havoc Control Center. Now, is that different from the control center from the previous pay-per-view? <laughs> I like, think so. Is it, like, di- yeah. like, is it actual different? <laughs> they pay- put a jack-o'-lantern in it. Later in the Halloween Havoc Control Center, we'll have more announcements concerning the event. Do you think they, <laughs> they buy different um, control centers across the country? <laughs> oh, shit, it's almost October. We need the Halloween Havoc Control Maybe Center, damn it. they them and they, like, travel. Uh, traveling control center. Lee Marshall keeps it warm. Oh, weasel, you know what I'll be getting for Halloween? A trick, a traitor, a weasel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, one of the big matches coming up, Quinn, is Cactus Jack versus Vader. It's the spin the wheel, make the deal match. Who thinks up this shit? Like, this is, what a dumb thing. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes, probably. What did this spin end up landing on? Do you remember? Texas Death. Which Texas was actually pretty good. Why didn't they just say it's a Texas Death match before the paper? Maybe people would want to order it. <laughs> Michael Quinn, logic. Yeah. Harley Race, Vader's manager, has some words for Cactus. He's starting to look like a fat asshole. He should be working at, like, motorcycles, like, putting motorcycles together or have, like, a small boat on the Jersey Shore. Like, he looks like one of those two things. Wait, what kind of boat? The kind that you could go fishing for the day out on the ocean. Does it have a motor? It has a motor, and it has, like, the little, like, cabin thing at the top. Oh, so it's like a tiny little boat. Yeah. It's not a rowboat. Yeah. So he owns, like, a mid-size boat. Mid-size. I think mid-size would be the the right term for it. Like, at a Point Pleasant or something like that? Seaside area? He wears a captain's hat only on the weekends. (laughs) And he cut you in line. Yeah. So anyway, we get some commercials here. Yes, this one has commercials. It's the Butterfinger Simpsons commercial. Quinn, you did say something very astute. The Simpsons was pretty established by 93 but you were saying this might have helped out the simpsons just as much as it did butterfinger might have i think it helped out more because everyone knows what the fuck butterfinger is like (laughs) this is my problem with a lot of this advertising is it's a lot of stuff you don't need an advertisement for like anybody who's ever been to a fucking convenience store knows what the candy bars are that's right to keep in theme here with our 1993 time capsule we get that infamous sega cd commercial quinn have you seen the games? <laughs> have you seen the games? Yeah. You have seen the games, right? I don't know! Did you <laughs> get a Sega CD yet? Have you seen the games? The Sega CD, if you're not a video gamer of any kind, maybe you are, not good. 
it does offer one thing. You could play the games yeah. on a CD. So this is the Sega CD. It's a load of ass. Again with the 93, a really odd Roy Rogers commercial with like an old dweeb with hookers. This was okay. In I, a limo. Can I for one second explain this? Yeah. He's like little and he's a little dweeby guy. And he's like, thank you, Roy Rogers. He's like, he's like Jameson or something. <laughs> with a mustache. And it's like, what is he? Thank you, Roy Rogers, for getting me hookers. Like I was confused. <laughs> like they look like hookers. <laughs> they do. 1010 wins, Quinn. All news all the time. All I'm envisioning is like Henry Hill, like celebrating after Latanza Height, <laughs> hitting the shower like wall. You remember? Jimmy! Yeah, because that's like the 1010 wins noise. This is 1010 wins. And then, Quinn, we get a Home Depot commercial. Yeah. They have stuff you need, like paint. It's amazing. Home Depot, people don't understand because this is a New York, because now we've confirmed after the 1010 10 10 wins. wins. Yeah. Like, we lived. In this area during this, like, this might have been the the same feed we got, right? When Home Depot was new. Right. Home Depot was new at this point, and there was, like, one of them. Yeah, when one opened up near us, it was the biggest deal in the world, because our hardware stores was either your local or or Rickle, which maybe if you're from the Northeast, you would know Rickle. Yeah, and but the hardware stores were, like, small. Right, this was a big deal. This is like a Walmart of hardware. (laughs) It was. Yeah. And the funniest thing Quinn noted is that the interior they show it and the exterior are the same as they are now. They haven't now. changed a damn thing in like 30 years. It's amazing. Yeah. So anyway, Tony and Jesse are on the the like the offstage fake set where the crowd's probably not in the arena. This is very deceptive. Like this is one of the best jobs I've seen of like making the set look like the real set. Because the crowd's definitely not there. But they do pipe in the crowd noise yep. so you can't tell really. Yep. You know? And they say nothing important. Yeah. And then we go to the ring for Colonel Rob Parker to introduce Sid Vicious to a very fake version of his 1992 theme. It's basically the same song. It is. Sid Vicious! Big and bad, here he is! He kills a jobber named Leroy Howard in like two minutes as the crowd is like way too booey. You know what I mean, Quinn? Boo! Yeah. <laughs> With the- Thumbs down, boo! <laughs> boo! They don't know what this is. Yeah, but you know what I'd say is like, why are they booing Sid? He looks fucking impressive. Like, I'd be like, this is awesome. Like, this guy just picked this 250-pound guy up and threw him into the air and all this shit. Yep. How are you booing that? I don't know. You're right. He Sid, one thing about Sid, he might not be the greatest wrestler. Certainly not. He might not be the greatest softball player. We don't know. He might not be good at not breaking his leg. He might not be good at talking, but he's got this interesting charisma. And look. And look. He's big. And he's, he's just, charismatic. something about yeah, him. It's very good. And he does also, Quinn, have a very good power bomb. Yes, he has one of the best I've seen, actually. I have to give him a lot of credit. People don't talk about Sid enough. His power bomb's awesome. Nash half-asses his power bomb. Yeah. Sid puts everything he has into it. Anyway, Mr. Nanny trailer. Weird. You, you his ha- hair is too long in this movie, Hogan's by the hair. way. What is up with that? I don't know. It is. It's like down to his shoulders. Was he trying to compensate for losing it at the top? Maybe. So he like made it go further down to Maybe. his... It's, it, he looks like a lady. And he wears a tutu and it's like, finally, someone to look up tutu. Yeah, what a dumb... Very funny. Stop. Then we get a rap for uh, Zelda for Game Boy, which is quite... When you think of the land of Hyrule yeah. <laughs> and Link and Zelda, you don't think rap music. Now... To be fair, this to me is the response in America to the Japanese rapping Zelda commercial. Again, you don't think rap music when you think Zelda, though. But everyone seems to who advertises for it. And this actually is a good game, right? This is very good. Just as good as Link to the Past and those games. 
we get an IHOP commercial with that guy, that like kind of chubby guy that did the IHOP commercials for a while. I don't really remember I him do. at all. So. He's the one that did the Root and Tootie Fresh and Fruity breakfast thing. Remember those? Oh, I love the Root Tootie Fresh and Fruity. It's very good. Rooty Poo Fresh and Fruity. Rooty Poo. Actually, it's a lot easier to let IHOP make breakfast. And then, Quinn, get your Dodge Shadow. It's only $9,000, and it's ugly as shit. Holy crap. These cars look like ass. They I, really do. It's funny, because we're in that middle era where they're trying to convert to the... Round? The rounded, <laughs> yeah. but we're still a little boxy. <laughs> I would say we're getting more rounded, less boxy. Yes. The, but we're we definitely, haven't perfected the rounded yet. We're like 70% round. We're 70% round. But there's yeah. still some... It's it, like the windows are still boxy, but the, right. the car is getting rounder. <laughs> it took until about 94, 95 to, to yeah. get rid of the boxy. I'd say like the 94 Civic is like a good example of it's like good. the conversion. Now, that was your first car, wasn't that it? That was my first car, but to me... It's Sparkly looked, purple. <laughs> shut up. It looked pretty good. <laughs> Chris Cruz is here. Yep. That's right. Facebook member himself. He's yeah, in our member group. of our group. Yeah. You can talk to him, Penzer. There's a few guys in there. Gary Capetta's Twitter in there. a friend of ours as well. Yep. He's here with our Halloween Havoc report. We get clips from this past April when Vader powerbomb cactus pretty nasty powerbomb on the concrete right that Mick writes about in his book that it actually did hurt yeah I remember reading about that yeah he didn't get legit put out of action because of it but it's weird because it hurt if you look at the clip it looks like his tailbone got fucked up more than his head you can't really see him hit his head on the the, tailbone he lands right on his tailbone like on the it looks awful his head whacked also obviously chris cruz ignores the amnesia angle i don't know why because to me that's a very big thing of come on it's so bad what what was the name of the lady that i don't know remember her name the name of the thing was lost in cleveland and he had like no eyebrows or something that was awful (laughs) It's, it's really funny and then Cactus Cut's a very good promo, and I mean very good. It's yeah, it, a it's really excellent. good promo. Yes, in that one moment, Vader, you became my hero! Because you did the one thing they said couldn't be done. You put Cactus Jack out of wrestling! He was really good. Yep. Mick Foley was really good. Mm-hmm. And we also get, as we mentioned earlier, Ric Flair versus the international world champion. The real NWA's champion. Yeah. Rick Rude, the big gold belt. That'll be coming up at Halloween Havoc. Then we get a really weird Abbott and Costello parody for McDonald's. It's like who's on first, and it's terrible. Terrible. Have you had your break today or whatever? And then we get, of course, our token motor oil requirement. And this one is Castrol GTX, just Every so you know. freaking time. And then we get a very peppy, like, mountainy, icy Coors Light commercial. Tap the Rockies, Quinn Silver Bullet. You better fucking tap them. <laughs> More Home Depot. They also have windows, not just paint. And then we get a trailer for Demolition Man. Quinn, you like Sandra Bullock at this stage? Sandra in her Bullock career? is very uh, cute here in very this movie. Very cute. She I looks agree. good. She was before yeah. Speed. No one really cared about her yet. Right, yeah. Then we get a commercial for bicycle playing cards. Why do we need to advertise this? Again with the crap, like Butterfinger, like everyone knows what this is. <laughs> playing cards. Playing cards. <laughs> and they're acting like if you don't get bicycle, you're an asshole. Is there some kind of like war amongst training card makers i don't know any other one but bicycle who are they advertising against bicycle because your reputation is on the table who are they advertising to casinos that are watching wcw worldwide (laughs) because all the casino fat cats this they watch wcw Mortal Kombat! Yeah, basically. That's all you need to say. Remember that? Yeah, remember that. And then Spider-Man and X-Men game for Super Nintendo and Genesis. Not a very good game. Not the good one on it. Sega that they we later see in a right. later advertisement. Not that one. Yeah. We're back with the Colossal Kongs with Harley Race. Who the fuck are these fat idiots? <laughs> like, what the... They look horrible. They're facing Frank Rose and Alex Gibson. They look like the guys that live on the mount, the little mountain island where Vader and the midget lived. Oh, okay. Like, or the so White Castle of Fear is. Where the White Castle of Fear is, right? 
You know how that was like an on an island? Yeah. I envision that these guys are like the townsfolk <laughs> or like they, or like they work at the castle with four Vader. Right. Because they're managed by Harley Race. That's true. So I'm thinking that there's some canon here. There might be canon. Yeah. They have the coats on. They have coats and they have masks on. Yeah. They actually don't take their coats off, Quinn, for the entire match. It's cold. It's cold <laughs> in this arena and they don't need... What the fuck was this match? I don't know. It was just like a, two seconds long, Just too. like one of the fat fucking guys gets a splash and that's it. Yeah. What it was, was this? like less than a minute. Why were and they they, they never took their coats off. No. And they just like toddled out of there. With the, the the king toddler Harley Race, it was horrible. On, on his way to cut somebody and lie yeah, over at Magic exactly. Kingdom, we get a milk commercial. Remember, milk does a body good. It's about ladies that used to be skinny. Now they're not. Now they're normal and guys like them. I don't what get a, it. I, it's so weird. And then some nineties yeah. lady hair on a shitty couch tells us to buy some crappy furniture. Yeah, like the real looking person. This is when I started to notice. Like we get we see her right, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, wait a second. This is how people really looked. And then I start noticing in all the commercials, we're in like the depths of the like not normal people on TV era. Like we're like nobody looks normal. You're right. This lady looked normal. Right. She had on like a tan blouse and white pants. It was like the rose colored glasses of like how I remember the 90s were removed. And I was seeing the actual reality. Crappy furniture from a discount warehouse. By the way, those furniture that. prices were fantastic. Well, it is 25 years ago. It's like 100 bucks for a sofa. Yeah, but do you want to go out to Queens and buy that? Maybe. Okay. Cool runnings trailer, Quinn. It's like, AK, look at these crazy idiots, and then they win. <laughs> that like, is the like, movie, that's right? Like, like the whole movie. Uh, Jamaica bumps that team. Like, that's also the whole trailer. It's like, oh, they're stupid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then it just shows them, like, winning, crossing the finish line. Did they not even show John Candy in they that trailer? Did for a second. Okay. Like, I like John Candy. Was that his last movie? Well, no. The last one was actually um, that he filmed was Wagons East, but Canadian Bacon was the last one to come out. Mm. That came out in 95, but he died. Remember that? Michael Moore directed that. (laughs) It's a weird movie. It's a satire, yeah. Anyway, U.S. champ Dustin Rhodes enters to a very junky theme to face Denny Brown, who the announcers say was like somebody somewhere, some kind of champion. He looks like he works at a bank or something like that, honestly. He works at a Denny's. (laughs) (laughs) He looks horrible. This is pretty much a match, Quinn. You were saying no one cares about Dustin Nobody gives a shit about (laughs) Dustin Rhodes yet. He needed to just go be Goldust. You're right. He had no personality. He was just Dusty Jr. And I'm not saying that like... I understand he's literally Dusty Jr., yeah. but he's dressed like Dusty Jr. He wrestles kind of like him yeah. a little bit. Everything about him is Dusty Rhodes. Now, the crowd is really loud. They must love Hammerlocks, or maybe they're being coached to cheer. This match is so fucking oh boring. God, it's, it's awful. It's just the worst match. It is. I do want to take a second to mention that Jesse Ventura is still pretty good here in it's WCW, okay. but his whole WCW run, I like him with Shivani. Right. I don't like him as much with JR because they didn't JR didn't really want to do business with him. Mm. But this pales in comparison to WWF Jesse Ventura. Hell yeah. It's just a rehash. Like it's a watered down. He doesn't care as much. You can tell to be that he fair, doesn't. He's a lot better at the pay per views. I don't That's think true. I don't think he cares on the TV. Would you? I mean, <laughs> look to at watch this. this. Yeah. <laughs> then we uh we switch to an arm bar. No more hammer like we need an open bar for yeah. this match. This match. This match is the worst. Like, yeah. It's very long. And, it is. And like, I don't blame Joe barely took notes because no, it was so boring. It's so boring. A shitty bulldog or a shit dog is Quinn yeah. coined last week on uh, WPAN gets the win. Woof, woof, indeed. Dustin's character is basically, I'm good at wrestling. You're right. That's it's pretty awful. much what it is. Gordon Suplay is back to talk about Rude versus Flair. And then Flair cuts like a really doofy, half-hearted promo. I hate when he's face. 
I do too. Like he sticks. Honestly, he, yeah. You can tell he's not putting that much into the promo. He's like, and I'm gonna style a profile. And I'm gonna be like, and you can almost hear him saying, "Are we done?" Like, yeah, I'm just like no. was that good? Yeah, Am I done. Can I leave? Yeah, you know? exactly. Just in front of the front of the shitty green screen. It just yeah. wasn't very good, folks. I'm sorry. I like Flair, but it wasn't that good. I don't so, blame him. Yeah, like I don't. Him as a face is just weird. Yeah. Anyway, in class, a kid gets bullied, so he buys a Sega Genesis, and now the kids like him. Great message by Sega Genesis. No wonder they got like sued by the parents of America or whatever. Like their advertising is it's really so asshole. fucked up. It's like, really asshole. Yeah. They're av- it's like looking back now, yeah. it's like, no, I think they were kind of right like yeah. about certain things about Sega Genesis. Yeah. To be fair, a lot of the stuff was tame, but at the it's same tame. time, there's some stuff like this saying you won't be cool if you don't get a Sega Genesis yeah, like, is like, fuck, that's man? a little. Okay, now we're crossing a line here. Super Nintendo was better anyway. Yeah, it, it wasn't even the best system. So. No. Anyway, a Miracle Ear commercial, not to be confused with Miracle Whip. This is a hearing aid, and it's a, a pantsuit tells us how you can get a free <laughs> booklet about hearing loss. It has pictures and everything, Quinn. God, she, that lady looked like the most 90s shit ever. Really? You know what would be funnier, though? <laughs> would be an informative audio cassette about <laughs> hearing loss, because it's like, can you hear this? Yeah, it should, but it should come with a pamphlet that only just says on it, can you hear this in big letters? And, if and you then can't? you put the tape in, and then that's how, and then you open the pamphlet up, and it says, if you can't hear this, call this number. <laughs> like, Great sales tactic, yeah. right? I, anyway. I figured it out. <laughs> you did. Anyway, we come back to uh, Worldwide, and the ring is spinning. as The two- spinning ring on display. Here. Yes, really. It should be spin the ring, do the thing. Yeah. That should have been the Cactus versus Vader That's match. next week. <laughs> two Cold Scorpio and Marcus Alexander Bagwell, as he was called, enter the ring. They dance in the ring very poorly. Their opponents, Quinn, are the team of the 90s, as Gary Michael Capetta says. That would be stunning Steve Austin and Brian Pillman. The Hollywood Blondes, great team. I love this team. I love their music. It's like the epitome of like the WCW video game wrestling yeah. music. That and the Vader song yes. are awesome. And I love the Hollywood Blondes. I obviously love Steve Austin. Pillman was great in 93. Some yokels in the crowd give them that big exaggerated thumb down. Boo! Boo! And then for no reason, we get another milk commercial. Gotta grow up. Yep. <laughs> this is guys this time. Yep. Then we get a double bin gum commercial in case you haven't been inside of a convenience store the last 40 Again, years. Don't things to advertise gum <laughs> and then a very serious heartfelt commercial for nobody beats the whiz yes o is what holds companions together o is the new olympus stylus zoom a weatherproof compact camera with two times power zoom may we note this is the era when it's actually the store is called nobody beats the whiz not the whiz yeah now if you're not from the northeast you might not know of this store unless you're a seinfeld fan or watched a game from yankee stadium <laughs> yeah, because, yes, in fact, Nobody Beats the Wiz was the actual name of an actual electronics store in the Northeast area. I don't know when it started, probably the 70s. Yeah. Until 19, no, maybe 2001 or two. I think it shut down. Yes. I, like Joe said, I, I think nationally it's famous for the Seinfeld episode where the guy yeah. was the Wiz. Even though that's I, not real. There, there, there was never a commercial no, where no, there no. was a person who was the Wiz. No, that's fictionalized. Yeah. But it was a real store. I really went yeah. to it. It wasn't too far yeah. from where we are now. I, it was near our house. <laughs> yeah. I like, bought things from yeah, there. I bought stereos and stuff. It yeah. was like a, it was like a step. Above a Radio Shack. You know what I thought of it like? It's like how Best Buy was, kind of. Yeah, it was like a scaled-down Best Buy. Yeah, well, it was before there was a, a store like Best Buy. Right, but exactly. It, it, it was bigger than, like you said, like it was like the superstore of electronics for its time. Yep, on the on the level with the Circuit City. 
How yeah. about that? Yeah. Like a Circuit City type of thing. Yeah. If you ever heard of that. So 1-800-HAIR-202. You can get your hair better or something. I don't know. Yeah. And we're back in the... Everyone bl- looked too good at that, by the way. <laughs> you're, Again. You're right. We're back in the blondes. Still aren't in the ring. Yeah. I guess they've been sitting around for three <laughs> minutes while they watch Nobody Beats the Wiz commercials, like <laughs> anticipating yeah. when to get in. Austin gets a Polaroid camera. Then Bagwell steals it. We walk around the ring a while. There's still no wrestling yet. Finally, after minutes, mm-hmm. Austin gets in, takes down Bagwell. Tillman gets in and really doesn't do much. What is this match? It's so boring. It really it's is. so fucking horrible. It, it's very bad. Arm drag city by Bagwell. More like arm drag shitty. It was terrible. Arm rag twitty. Arm rag twitty. Yeah. Arm rag. <laughs> Scorpio gets in. I don't care. No one cares. Big crossbody on Austin. Series of close near falls by Scorpio. Austin drags Flash Funk there out of the ring, but gets backdropped out of a pile driver attempt on the platform. Back in the faces double team a bit, and then Austin takes back over. Jesse notes the hush in the crowd, so I'm wondering maybe the applause sign broke. This match is awful. Nothing's happening. There's nothing. No spots. Nothing. Nothing. It's, like it's it's the worst. It's really bad, it's, folks. It's the worst main event. I love the blondes, but a Marcus Bagwell not good at all in '93. Yeah. Scorpio needed to go to ECW and really develop his yep. character and his style. He needed and stuff. to go be two gold Scorpio. Remember when he was that? <laughs> you know, this is kind of it. Really sums up '93 though, because it shows you a lot of these guys needed to get away from WCW. This. Yes, <laughs> they need to go developing. They needed to have somebody help them develop, and his name was Paul Heyman. And his name was Paul Heyman. You're yeah. absolutely right. So anyway, there's also about 14 TVs lining this theme park arena or whatever <laughs> it is. It weird. looks like a Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm kind there. of wondering, though. It's like, that's really expensive. Like those are That's like 14 CRT TVs in like, the ceiling just doing nothing but that. Like, <laughs> it's true. And those fuckers are heavy. Yeah. You know, you got to have a couple of guys to hoist them up there. Remember getting a TV up your stairs as a kid and how like it was like impossible. Yeah, those things were big and bulky. They were always awkward. One side was always leaning. Yeah. You know, it was way too much here. They were like 600 pounds. <laughs> like, for like a 19-inch television. <laughs> like, it was awful. Rocket launcher by uh, Austin with Pillman onto Scorpio. But Scorpio gets the knees up on Pillman. Then we get a hot tag to uh, Marcus Snackwells here, but <laughs> Austin gets beat up for a bit. Big backdrop by Bagwell. Big brawl. And then Austin slingshots Bagwell into the turnbuckle and Pillman covers for three. Tony's outside with the Hollywood Blondes. You know, it's funny, Quinn. Three years later, Kevin Kelly would be in the midst of the Hollywood Blondes <laughs> and he would pee his pants. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> Peepin. I don't know what's going on I don't on know here. what the hell is going on. <laughs> <laughs> Decent promo by the Blondes until Ron Simmons wanders over. What is over. this about? And he's like complaining that they like did something wrong. All they did was win. They won the match. They used their finisher. He's I like, like, I don't like what you did to his face. Or, what did what he say? I don't know. I don't like what you did to him. Damn. And like, I love that Austin's like off mic and he's like, what do you want? Yeah, literally, like just in the like normal Austin voice yeah. that we're used to. Yeah. He's mad, I guess, at the injustice of Bagwell just sucking at wrestling. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, a few more commercials here. Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Very good game. Yes, with the actors, but not the not movie. The movie. Act- like actors special just for the game. Just for the game. Talking Battleship, which I love. Awesome. That I was a great electronic yeah. battleship. And a rare transmission oil commercial. Different kind of oil. <laughs> That's um, right. Not for not for your engine, but for your trans. The for your tranny. The transmission oil companies must have seen the success of the motor oil companies. And You're said, right. We need to get in on that. Because even trannies need their oil. Yep. Roll credits, Quinn. Senior producer, 
Virgil Reynolds. Happy Dusty yeah. Rhodes. This is weird that there's credits, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Tony Schiavone is a producer. Craig Leather is, of course, the director. The uh, vice president of operations, David Crockett. Yeah. And <laughs> so he didn't get fired as he claimed no. in the WCW DVD, no, which we there. knew. He was the one that put the two by four down that uh, Fred Ottman tripped yeah. over as a shockmaster. <laughs> and, Aww. of course, uh, executive producer Eric Bischoff. Well, we made it through that shit. Yeah, we made it through that shit. That, it just abruptly ended. We're not cutting anything off. That was the full one hour with commercials broadcast there. That's how it ended. Yeah. Now, since we're never probably going to get to Worldwide again, do you want to like talk about how Worldwide holds the dubious distinction of being like the last thing yeah. ever aired by WCW or something? Yeah. So this was brought to my attention within the last like couple of months, actually. Yeah. Even though Vince McMahon purchased WCW on March 23rd, 2001, even though Vince McMahon appeared on Nitro on March 26, 2001, apparently WCW aired one final episode of Worldwide, and depending on where your syndicated package was, it was either March <laughs> 31st or the day of WrestleMania X7, <laughs> April 1st, 2001. Now here's the, why it's so elusive to me like nobody can find this episode and all that exists is some footage from the last five minutes of it of them saying goodbye but it's all shitty like you yeah, can the barely quality's bad. you can barely see what's going on right. and it's just like Tanae and uh, Scott, what, Hudson. Scott Hudson at a desk like almost seemingly like apologizing for going out of business and like talking about how like they love the staff that works there and stuff <laughs> it's like very sad it's almost like uh, the last day at work right like, uh, but <laughs> the company's closing yeah yeah i know and like everyone's sad everyone's sad wcw gone worldwide gone anyone listening out there big veto now is a big fan of ours big veto if you're out there <laughs> anyone else if you have or know someone that has the last episode of wcw worldwide from 2001 please send it our way but quinn as far as this 1993 disney taping what did you think of this whole thing it was very of its time it wasn't awful it was just like well that's the way, you know, TV was back then. And right. it didn't fucking matter, basically. So do you think it was on the level of your average episode of maybe Challenge or Superstars? Yes, I think I think we can't we can't like sit here and be like, oh, well, WWF is superior. It's like, no, it's, this time it's not. It, it was the same shitty shit yep. like, at the same time. Just different toilet, yep. basically. Yeah. But folks, speaking of uh, toilets, I guess. <laughs> thank you so much for being with us here for yet another episode of our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode n- number 93. Well, of course, we'll be back next week for 1994 when things start to get a bit more spicy, a bit more interesting yeah, next, definitely. next year. So until that time, be sure to reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group. If you have a Facebook and you like our show, go ahead and do it. You won't be disappointed. And if you want to, you can donate on Patreon, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But until next time, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael, Michael Quinn. 1993 is done. We will see you in 1994 next week. See ya. Robert, I want to go somewhere where we can talk our own burgers. But Roberto, I like my burgers already. <laughs> Thank you, Roy Rogers. Thank you. For a limited time at Roy Rogers, order a juicy quarter-pound hamburger with regular fries for just $1.99. And remember, you can top your burger any way you like at our Fixin's Bar. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Spent a lot of money. Spent a lot of money.